let me start with uh, one thing, an apology to you. Many months ago, I said, I'm over the movie experience. And then we went to the movies yesterday. Uh-huh. The seats, the, the uh, escapism aspect. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm looking forward to going to the movies by myself again, which I haven't felt uh, excited about since I was living in Montreal by myself and going to see a movie every week. Mm. And that, I had that same vibe yesterday. I'm like, there are a lot of movies that I don't want to really like buy on, on Blu-ray or DVD when they come out that I would go sit down in a theater by myself and enjoy. Yeah. Just removed from the crowds. Sometimes you have to be removed from that situation to when you get a taste for it again, you get reminded of how good it is. Yeah, that's kind of what I've been hoping my uh, my uh, romantic rendezvous. <laughs> the same thing. Tit for tat. Analogous to, the, to that, I got yeah. you. Yeah, even the same yeah. verbiage you use, I think there was a little insinuation of the taste of something in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like how I go a long, long time without drinking. Hmm? A long time without drinking. We're talking a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> long time man and then I, uh, I, I I taste are you still going by the way obviously I haven't started yet yeah because I was going to I was gonna mm-hmm. but and I haven't had a drink in a couple of weeks but uh, this weekend one of our very good friends Nate shout out to him is moving to of all places Italy oh that's cool wow. he was gonna live in Argentina because of the fact that it was so cheap to live there and him and his girl want to save money before they have a kid wait a minute is he moving to the city that gives you like 35 grand to pick up and move to because they're falling apart I don't know if that's the exact city but I did hear that he has some kind of incentive to move over there. there's a city in Italy that is like uh, architecturally and population wise um, decreasing and has been for quite some time in their their economy is suffering greatly and they'd like to rebuild the city and, and sort of reflourish and, and repopulate it. Hell, I might move. And they're Keep offering, <laughs> I believe, twenty to $30,000 for no. couples only if, from around the world uh, to move there. He's very uh, observant and he's a very intelligent individual. If, he, if I find out that that's the case, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, he <laughs> probably found that out and decided, hey, that's a good incentive to save money. Just right. move there. Very low cost of living, especially compared to here in Dallas. So that's incredible. I'm, I'm, I'm going to text him and ask him that. Hey, did you get an incentive to move to Italy? The village is called Santa Fiora in like the Tuscany region. That just sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'll ask him. But yeah. That might be it, right? It might be. But since he's moving and he's going to be out of the U.S. for at least a couple of years, we're throwing him a party on Saturday at a friend's house in Arlington, so I'm, we're going to be drinking there. After that, I'm going to not drink for a long time. <laughs> All right. Yeah. There's actually two or three more cities. Until Halloween. Yeah, until – you know what? Maybe that's what I should do, Morgan. I should try to hold out until Halloween. Good couple months. Right around the corner. Yeah. You, you had a heck of a cool little Halloween costume idea for you and I to go as. Yeah. I'm, no, no mentions. Are we gonna? We can't. Can we mention? Ah, that? sure. Because we're probably not gonna do it, and we'll think of something even better before then. Probably. <laughs> Cheech, yeah. Cheech and Chong. Cheech and Chong. Oh, okay. I get a big mustache, beanie. I put the wig on. Puts the wig on with his beard and bandana. The, basically, the tennis player, but with a <laughs> bit of a, a like stoned look to him. Okay. Right. Yeah. Which I could pull off. Believe me. You could play one of the cops, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could just wear what you're wearing right now. <laughs> Freaking fat over here. The one I tell that you. turns to like an, an iguana because he smoked the, <laughs> the weed. The live shows have to come at some point. Um, maybe meandering season three, which is kind of crazy to think about, but we're like five months away from mm-hmm. four months, four and a half months. 
kind of nutty. That'd be fun to do a live show. Oh, no, we're not going to just do one. We're going to do them, like, from yeah? the starting point on. Yeah, maybe on Twitch, maybe just, uh, maybe we release the audio, and then you give me two or three days after the audio is mm-hmm. released to release the visual on uh, YouTube. Or maybe I spice it up into clips. I've been thinking about that uh, recently as you well. You should. You should. Yeah. yeah, It's always fun to watch. There's every- so many audio clips that we have here that um, unless you listen to every second of the show, like myself, for editing and for audience reasons, there's just so much like little nuggets of, of <laughs> comedy, insight, uh, interest. <laughs> there's a lot of neat stuff embedded in the conversations that we have that yeah. I'd like to splice out and like put together into a channel or, or some separate entity to where people can get like quickly onboarded to the style of talks that we have here. Yeah. Cause it's cool. I asked my mom, she, she, <laughs> she was, my mom thinks it's cool. Well, my mom enjoyed the experience of coming on meandering. Hey, your mom is awesome. I, yeah. uh, I, I got to listen to the, the last podcast and she's a smart, awesome lady, man. She is. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. She's a lot of fun to talk to. I can't say it all my friends, mom and dad. Some of them, most of them are cool. There's a couple that are dicks. On playback, I'm listening to the episode with my mom, and she, her conversation style is very interesting. It's very, uh, it's very subdued, but um, she, unlike me, gets to the point rather quickly. Yes. Yes. And I could fair. learn a little bit from her uh, when it comes to that. There's no padding. She, <laughs> she sounds like the medical professional that I would hear on NPR. Uh, she's, yeah, she is, she could, yeah. she really did. Um, she could be our, our, uh, she could be our medical person who takes our, uh, calls on the Dr. Laura style okay. show. Yeah. Like we take the relationship and the like uh, hard edged <laughs> approach to the callers. But when they have a medical question, like, I have this bump on my lip and I'm not, and then my mom, it's herpes. <laughs> yeah. It's herpes. Does it, does it pee when you burn? Nine, 93% of people have it. So yeah, you got it. Ah, it's horrible to think about. I don't think it's that hot. Speaking of herpes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good segue. I was like a snob because I, I, I hate the sort of. It's an ugly word. Cl- well, it's, it's legit it's at times. It, it's, I, don't, I hate pushing any kind of classism as much of a leftist as I am. But sometimes, man, it's just you just know where you are. I, uh, I went to Walmart recently because Maggie wanted a thermometer. My girl thought she had fucking COVID. Yeah, she did. She woke up. She didn't get sleep the night before. She felt like shit. She, she's like, oh, I feel like I have a cold. I'm like, it might be COVID. She's like, ah, shit. So she went to go get tested, made me go buy her a thermometer. Uh, so I went to Walmart because it was right by Home Depot. Got COVID while at Walmart. What? No. no, no. That's impossible. <laughs> Why is that impossible? Continue your story. What I was going to say is like there was, there was one person in line ahead of me. Mouth was just covered in sores. Oh, no. And I'm just like. Yeah, that person definitely has herpes. And mm-hmm. I look to my right, and there's a guy standing there, just covered in dirt, covered in tattoos. And after staring at him in the literal sense for about two minutes, I thought, yeah, that guy uses a crack pipe for a... Completely covered. He uses a crack pipe for, for an enema. Mm. I can just tell. Now, with, the, with, <laughs> like, the, with those people, you know, I think it's fair to say, yeah, you've made some poor decisions. But I, I, just, but I believe it is also genetic, right? What? Yeah, I believe it could be passed down. No. Oh, it's, it's, never mind. I think it's, it's, it's most of the time it's not that sort of thing. Is not, it's not genetic. It's just how you're raised. They probably grew up in a broken home or if they grew up in a nice home, they just said, fuck it. 
Well, just because you have herpes doesn't mean you're a trash. But I'm just saying, I see that more blatantly at Walmart than I do at Target. It's it's such isn't it such a weird, tangible, different crowd at Walmart than when you walk into like Target or Whole Foods? Well, yeah, and it well it depends on where the Walmart is. When I lived in Grapevine, yeah, near South Lake, that was the nicest Walmart. Yeah, the cleanest Walmart. Like you could go in there, and it wasn't even crazy busy half the time. Wow. Or at least, that. or at least if it was busy, you didn't notice that it was busy. I hate Walmart. He's the classist at the table. I'm just saying. Well, he's, yeah, I'm jealous the, he's had the, the, the one nice in my experience. neighborhood's very, well, I mean, is very, it's not like the one over here. The one over here is like the lowest of the low rent. <laughs> this one you right know? here? No, the that's, one, that's the one I went to. Down the street? The, yeah, the ones in Irving, they're like the lowest of the low rent. Yeah, man. So theoretically, if I go to like Frisco or some of the other you'll richer places. You probably have a different oh, experience. You, you go in the wrong night to like this Walmart, you'll you'll have somebody like tagging you on the highway, following you for three four miles and trying to run you off the road. Damn. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I did Where get- am I? I don't want to call it racially profiled. I think it was classes profiled one time. I went to the shopping center in Frisco and I wasn't dressed the nicest because it was just I had just been working all day on mm-hmm. working on a Saturday. So I went over there, had on a white shirt. I was working on the fence. So I was kind of dirty and uh, I, I don't remember why I was getting something from there. That's a good old Mexican story right there. Yeah, it is. I worked hard, damn it. But there was a lady there at the Frisco shopping center who looked at me up and down and she kind of smirked like wow, this Mexican got off the wrong exit. <laughs> I don't remember seeing a lowrider in the parking lot. Don't you just right. want to like open a conversation with those types of people and say, hey, watch me run circles around you intellectually so I can put you in your place? Or is that just me? There's always a part of me that wants to do that. But another part of me, I was like, this is some Karen. But yeah, I, I could just tell the way I was looked up, up and down. that I was like, yeah, this, this bitch right here. <laughs> she's probably here. She's just like, well, this guy's here to sell his mixtapes. <laughs> fucking Cholo. Sometimes uh, when I pull up to like a red light and I see like a, a guy in a sixty seventy thousand dollar vehicle next to me, yeah, I want there to be a digital screen in front of us with mm-hmm. like uh, Jeopardy questions, <laughs> and I want us to I want us to have like a mini round of Jeopardy, yeah, you at the light, out, so yeah. I could like be like, look how much smarter I am than you. I don't really yeah. care about your awesome car. I'm smarter than you. And then yeah. we drive off, or I get smoked in Jeopardy, and I get smoked uh, in a quarter off mile, the yeah, yeah, off the line. I'm it could go either way. I'm lucky though, because I'm I'm a lighter skin Hispanic. Yeah. So I don't get racially profiled. I have to go out of my way, and I figured it's more classism than racism. Like one time when I was wearing a wife beater going to 7-Eleven a few years ago here in Ooh. Dallas, there was like, a, yeah, yeah, you'll get some looks. Yeah, and there was an older black couple next to me who looked at me slowly and rolled up their fucking window and locked it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, That's nobody's funny. gonna carjack you, elderly people. It's okay. You don't get, I get that frequently, but it's not, uh, there's a uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm scene that's like this, where Larry David right. locks his car, and then there's... Um, and then the black guy and the walks black guy by. by. He's like, why'd you, why'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I get that a lot. Like, you go, you pull up to CVS or yeah. Tom Thumb, you get out of the car simultaneously with like Are an older white person. Are you locking the door people doing no, it No, people you? doing it to me huh. and sometimes but it's it's un, it's coincidental sometimes sometimes there is a delay in the locking of the car and you're like you did that because you you scanned me up and down and thought mm. i was a threat i have mistaken other people's cars for my car like three or four times in the last e, four years that opens up some well no but that's just like walking out of the grocery store you know aloof I've, I've and clear-minded I see a red Mazda and it's like two spots down from mine and I go to the door and I'm like, thing won't open. 
<laughs> I can imagine what it looks like on the security cameras. <laughs> look at this jerk. Then I look around, I'm like, huh, not my car. <laughs> Hopefully nobody saw me. One time there was a lady in it. She freaked out. I bet. What the hell? Yeah. You, you weren't like, what's this lady doing in my car? No, because I realized very quickly that it was not my vehicle after that. Man. But you want to talk about fight or flight. I had no flight. I was just like, there, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm terribly sorry, ma'am. And then I tried to long, a long-winded uh, reasoning as to why. I'm like, you know, I came you out would. of, I, I came out of the grocery shit. store. Look, carrying all Can't these just bags. Say it's a mistake. It wasn't the whole backstory. That's because it, it might not have been a mistake. She might have been in the wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's tangible. No, not in those instances. But I, yeah, the. There is some underhanded level of racial profiling that um, is kind of funny to observe. You're, you're racially ambiguous. Yeah. I when I first met you, Instagram I, post uh, I, talking about how racially ambiguous I was. You're today. very racially ambiguous. When I first met you, you're Italian, Portuguese, Puerto Rican, Middle Eastern, Middle East. I don't know what the hell you yeah. are. And then I shave, and I could go in like even more directions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why you know the intelligence agencies dropped the ball in the early 2000s <laughs> with me. They could have inserted me anywhere they wanted across the globe. Probably. And all I would have had to do is, you know, read some cliff notes on Farsi or Italian or some of the other harder to learn languages. And, you know, I could have been stopping crime, fighting crime overseas, on boots on the ground, falling in love with these (laughs) terrorist women. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they they knew about the falling in love. They knew about the sucker. Okay. You'd have simped for some Haji girl. That's great, Sasha. I wouldn't have, though, because... Oh, he would have. Oh, no, totally in the line of duty, I'm a little different. <laughs> she, she, I can turn her. She, I she, can. She, yeah. yeah, we're not waterboarding this lady. I can turn her. She doesn't need this oh sort of treatment. God. He's so Sasha, weird. Sasha, we have a hundred pages of her manifesto. She was in, she was in a weird mood that day. I was there. <laughs> Nothing I can't fix. Tattoo America means right? something else to her. You don't understand. <laughs> Yeah, these are, these are situations you. I would like to test my psychology with women with. And I'm know. sure they would, too. The other way around. So they get away with. They yeah. can't get away with it. That's <laughs> <laughs> ah, scary. TBD. I got a, I made a, a joke. See, it's funny because when I dress like Morgan, well, I used to dress, you dress like, like Morgan. Well, whenever I used, whenever I had to go into work, I would either wear a dress shirt or whenever I would, I wear a, I, I love wearing polos. He does dress like an insurance salesman. Kind of do with your khakis and your polo. Whenever I dress that way, I never got profiled. I people open doors for me. People are like, "Yeah, he's he's decent. He's light skinned." I'll open the door for him. But it's only whenever I I have my like Hispanic my, heritage w- moments. Well, whenever I have like a, a tank top or just a white tee that shows my tattoos on my arm, then it's like, ooh. And what, things are different. At one time, me and my girl were in San Angelo, and we were at this Western store. I'd been in there before, dressed nice, never profiled, perfectly fine. <laughs> One time I was in there with her and I said something to her in Spanish. Swear to God, this bitch followed us around for 10 minutes. Maggie went off and she was just like, can I fucking help you? Mm. Went off on this lady. See, you're in a great position and I was up until three or four months ago where you have a Caucasian woman. Uh, as your, <laughs> with you. Yeah, with you. So the racial profiling you can experience is only so much. Yeah. Because then yeah. you can unleash your significant other. And be like, oh, honey, I don't, 
can you go ahead and step in and take care of this? And if you, oh, yeah. if you have an aggressive, um, white, white, uh, yeah. Second, if you, well, I'll let you her be caring for me. Yeah. She could be, <laughs> she could be caring for like a 30 minute bit of time and yeah. I'm cool with it. Yeah. Get um, in touch with your inner Karen. Got you, yeah. man. I've done that. I've gotten in touch oh, with yeah. your inner Karen. You piss me off at a restaurant and go, listen, you would. Oh, yes. you're one of those people who's I gone usually... post COVID and made those people's lives even worse than I'm a, I was a waiter for years. So I empathize with anybody who works in the public sector, man. I put up with a lot of shit when I was a waiter when I was a kid. But sometimes when every time we drive by a restaurant douche. that Miguel's been to, it's like the third or fourth time I've counted, he'll tell me something he didn't like about the place. <laughs> I fucking remember. <laughs> so what? He's a yelper. I am. I'm oh, a, no. I am the biggest yelper. I bet you are. Probably the widest thing about me is how much I yelp. It's funny. My <laughs> other very close Hispanic friend is a big yelper as well. Yeah, it's very interesting. We're big on service. Don't fuck it up. It makes sense. It is. Have either have either of you ever waited tables before? Never. Have Never. Been. But I worked in room service. I was. That a, is rough. Yeah. I was a weekend blackjack dealer for about six months at uh, corporate parties. No shit. Yeah. It was like $150, $200 a night. I was in college, and me and my buddies loved playing cards. That's a fun job. That was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. That's contrary to what I'm talking about. Have you guys ever worked in like a public sector job where you had to put up with the public every day, and it was shit? Hotels. Oh, hotels. Sure. I've never worked in a hotel. Being a waiter was always... Hotels, I believe you have a bit more security and like, uh, well, you have the desk that's physically separating you from... The patrons, which can go a long way psychologically. And you have a leeway to tell them to leave more, I think, than that, a restaurant. And really. you're more True. of a corporate establishment versus like a local sort of go out and uh, yeah. the customer service has to be flawless and, and yeah. perfect. In the hotel, it's it's there's a line you can cross as a patron at yeah. a hotel that I feel you can get away with at a restaurant because you can complain a little bit more. Um, you have a one hour window of time at a restaurant, an hour, hour and a half. And at yeah. a hotel, you're spending the night. So if one thing goes wrong out of like a hundred at a hotel, yeah, I mean, you can apologize. You can say, we'll fix that up. One thing goes wrong at a restaurant, your entire night's kind of, kind of ruined. Yeah. So it's a, it's a different scenario. True. It's a different culture because yeah. of the fact that in a restaurant, you're expected to eat more shit. And which really people sucks. value their food so highly. It's obnoxious here in this country, in my opinion. What's but Kelly, uh, yeah. We can get into that in restaurants for like five years. She did what? She worked in restaurants for like five years. She probably has some stories about. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Those were the great days, actually, because at that point in time, I was like a PMGM at a hotel. So we both kind of worked evenings and got would get home like after 11 o'clock and PMGM, this PMGM, guy. man. And the hell does uh, that stand for? Afternoon general manager. Uh, it's just manager a fancy way. Duty, it's like saying I'm on the PGBT going 80 <laughs> miles an hour. Anyway, why did you guys like it was like the restaurant would close and everybody be at our house and it was like a party five nights a week. I oh, swear to man, God, that sounds like drinking till three and four o'clock in the morning. Is that where you played pool? No, I played pool. I mean, we did, but uh, I had an overnight job as a bellman many, many years ago. And I would go into the bar when the bar closed and just open up the pool table and play yeah. pool for three you or four hours. You were saying that on a previous episode. Yeah. Like you had a relaxed way about you. You were trying to have fun. And then you yeah. became a manager and all that changed. You just became not true. A, no? Not true. You were the fun manager? No, not necessarily. But I was the manager who... I, people liked me. Okay. I don't know why... I, liked even even past at Image. Tense. <laughs> even at Image, people liked me. They actively... Liked past tense. Do they actively like you? 
He's not probably not now. now. Yeah, mm. you're still a likable guy. Well, you got to in all likelihood, if you have an issue, you're gonna have to probably deal with me. So you yeah, better find some ground. Because you're the you're the professional on the block now. You're the guy no, with all I'm the just, answers. I've just been around long enough and know enough about all the software. That's what I said anyway. in a simple way. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm trying. I'm exercising. I'm I'm practicing my simplicity. Simplicity. Interesting. I mean, never had a job where I had to manage people, and I'm so happy about that. I deal right now. Why? With, huh? Why? I don't want to manage. I don't want to. I don't. I never want to be in a position where I have to fire someone primarily, and I never want to be in a position where I have to watch over people. Firing stuff. Well, I don't know that you ever go into it watching over people. It's just that you do have to pay attention, not necessarily watch them, but it's like kids. It is sometimes like babysitting and and it gets frustrating. Well, it's gotten more frustrating as I've gotten older. So I don't know if that's because of a newer generation of, of people maybe, or if it's because I got older and just had fewer patients. And I don't know which one. It's, it's probably both. It probably is a combo. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, your patience can whittle down when that sort of same scenario keeps revolving and the, the, the turnover in certain jobs elicits that sort of lack of patience, too, in many yeah. ways. Because you see and hear the same stories um, every so often and you wish it would go differently every once in a while, but it doesn't. It's customer service in a nutshell. Managing was... Interesting in my experience. I never managed in an office setting, but I did manage a hotel and had to schedule staff and uh, the, the drivers as well. Never wanted to do that shit. Man. I had to do uh, employee Some, reviews. Were the schedule is the worst part. Scheduling of was tough, even with less staff of like eight or nine people. If one person has like a request, you got to reformulate everything. And yeah, as a manager, you're expected to pick it up at a hotel. If yeah, plus it's twenty four seven in that environment, you yeah. know. So it's weekends, Ugh. overnights. It's, it's but you're right, Miguel. Some of the harder conversations that I've ever had to have in a manager position where, where I had to sit down with like some of the guys that I'd just casually be talking on a day-to-day basis that were driving like the hotel vans, for example, and I'd be doing their reviews. So here's what customers have been saying about you. <laughs> and then you got to give them some stuff to, to work on. You know they're looking at you as the person who 99% of the time you're just laid back Sasha or laid back Morgan and you're having a casual conversation, but for that 1%, you have to turn on a different side of you. And it's kind of weird because you have to do it. It's necessary, yeah. but it's unexpected from the people that have gotten to know you as like your genuine self. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a manager um, mentally when it comes to uh, my personal life or anything like that. It could be argued. Some people would say, yeah, you maybe are overbearing in this facet or this area, but I don't feel like I am. But in management roles, you do have to be somewhat overbearing if things need uh, resolution. You've got to be able to correct, right? Yes. And and be okay with people not liking you. Uh, That's tough, too, sometimes when somebody just... When you want to be you overhear him like, yeah, you overhear him just talking mad shit, shit about you, and you're just like, I'm, I'm really kind of <laughs> laid back. I'm really not on you for anything. You know, it's like, was it undeserved? You know, you, yeah. Essentially, you need to show up on time and you need to smile. And if you can do those two <laughs> things, I pretty much leave you alone. Yeah. You get and your five hundred bucks every and then couple when you of weeks. Don't do those things. You're forcing me to say something to you, and then you get offended. I. That's like. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like, see, I never, I, in, initially I had a problem like firing people 
And, but you realize pretty quickly that it's not like that's one screw up, right? You've probably talked to them at least three times about their uh, behavior. Yeah, it's or, never arbitrary when you right? have to fire Right, so somebody. I always started looking at it as like, you're firing yourself. I'm just the one <laughs> telling you that you fired yourself. Just giving you the fucking memo. I got you. Yeah. <clears throat> I, every job I've ever had where I've gotten a promotion, and this current job I've been in for eight years, I've, I've gotten what is absolutely promotions, but they all are avoidant of <laughs> managing people. There are they're escalated when it comes to the clientele, yeah, and my responsibilities to numbers in the company and handling you. escalated clientele very very um, what's the nicest way to put this? The Karens that are allowed to be Karens because they are very wealthy, sure. and we treat them especially well because they've been with us for twenty years and are millionaires. Yeah, Those I are the always, people that I'm taking care of right now and I deal with. I yeah. always picture you as like a Glenn Gary Glenn Ross style of. Uh, Okay. Job occupation, like where you 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 walk into that. the office in the morning and there's a whiteboard and there's sales goals and you guys have like a hardcore <laughs> powwow about let's tackle this day let's let's get these guys what they need and let's make money while we're doing it. And Some days it's like that. Some days we know we're good because when my where I'm working now it's escalated clientele and like we you need to sell these people they need this kind of policy they need this kind of add on because they can afford it they're either tycoons or millionaires. Get make them, get them, go get them, mm -hmm. and make them happy at the end of the day. Or sometimes I'll have an escalated client on the phone that's like, I screwed up, I wrecked my car, and I left the scene. What should Kelly. I? Mark, was that Kelly? No. <laughs> <laughs> There's no his no for a pig. Yeah, I mean, just a dead, no, it a dead, dead hog. It wasn't even dead. Took Man. off. Oh, I mean, and crazy. the damn thing took off, and it still fucked up your car for ten weeks. But good news, <sighs> good news. As of today, we won't mention the date. Don't want to date it. But Morgan is whole again. Morgan is completely yeah, like got your wits. His car, he can freely go wherever he wants now. Doesn't it feel? I wouldn't maybe not emasculate, but it feels like you're handicapped in life when you're so used to a vehicle and you don't fucking have one. Yeah, yeah when you have to coordinate with your loved one Ugh. for vehicle stuff, and you know, while I mean, while we do things together, we do a lot of things apart, and it's like I feel like if it had been the other way around, like her car had been wrecked. And mine wasn't. It would have been a bit more of a scenario. Oh my god! It would have had more to rough. A hurt hurts would have yes. come into play. At well, some I point. would have. I would have essentially Avis. had to basically no. I'd have had to give her my car and take the back seat in a lot of the ways that I did this time around. Uh. <laughs> like you know, respecting it's her car, not asking too much out. You know, like I would have had to do the same thing if it was my car. It was uh, that way. So, all right. Whatever. Here I'm gonna. Here's a personality. Here's a personality profile question. Oh no! Look at Morgan. What rental car company would be his go-to? You're an enterprise guy. I'm gonna say Avis. Okay, I see. I see that too. What's your go-to rental car company? Budget. Oh, oh yeah. that's about right. <laughs> Why didn't we say that? That makes perfect sense. It does make sense. I would say you're you know an why? enterprise guy. I am an enterprise guy because I want something that's gonna suit my pick ass. you up. Yeah. I because you're you don't want to drive anywhere. Not really. <laughs> I'll use enterprise, but you know what got me on budget was yeah. when I was much younger. Every time I moved, I didn't get U-Haul trucks. I got budget trucks. Uh, well, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Budget trucks are cool and they're very convenient. I used U-Haul my whole life. So you just said something quite interesting that um, several episodes ago we had the opposite of. Um, we we just got done saying that having your car not available to you for yeah. like a long period of time after you've had it for what 
65 years, something like that. Right. 65. It's been quite a while <laughs> since you got your driver's license and you felt it when it's not part of your life. But someone who's never driven a car, they don't feel that. Of course not. It's so interesting. They're not used to that freedom or that sense of freedom. Do you remember what that that guest's reaction was to that? She said, and it hasn't, it's not like it's stopped me or it limited me. I have rollerblades. Oh, God. (laughs) It was very interesting. I get it. But that, but this taps into the Miguel concept of like, not going further than a mile or two in a in oh, radius. What the fuck ever. I just went to <laughs> look at me tying all this. Uh, no, I'm just his balls about his 15 mile drive to his <laughs> vacation <laughs> spot. I will go far. Yeah, you went. Be. We went to see a movie that was like eight miles away. I was shocked <laughs> yesterday. I'm like, I'm driving up to this place. I had to take a toll road. I'm like, Miguel must have hated having to go just, all the way. Over. Spend, Maggie drove. Pro- yeah, she did that time. <laughs> look, when you spend. Like six, seven years of your life, like I did in Richardson, seven years straight of not having to go far at all. Everything I wanted, I could walk to, much less drive to. Everything, whether it was a nice restaurant, movies, store, pharmacy, doctor, work. I lived in Mayberry for seven years of my life, okay? Small town, Texas? Well, no, here in Richardson, in Mayberry, North Dallas. We call, we, we, a lot of us in North Dallas jokingly call Richardson Mayberry because nothing happens. It's very peaceful. What is that from? Maybe. Uh, really? It was Andy, Andy Griffith. Griffith yeah, Andy yeah Griffith. again, more American lore really? that I'm not uber familiar God, with. Dang it, my I apologies. Morgan is Canadian over here. Yeah, I'm Canadian and under the age of 40. My apologies. My- <laughs> you should probably <laughs> Matlock. Yeah. Don't throw any Matlock questions at me either. You you may want to go back and watch an episode or two of I might. Andy Griffith and see if it holds up today. It probably does. Well, you know, the Batman, it's interesting because some of that stuff from the 50s and the 60s, like the Batman serial, um, or is that what it's called? A serial? Yeah, it's story. The dialogue in that show is actually kind of very invigorating and interesting. There's a lot of camp. Yeah, it's very camp. And there's a lot of like um, social satire even going on within the conversations between Batman, Robin and the villains, especially. Yeah. And you can look at Commissioner Gordon as like the establishment and in some ways it's (laughs) it's fun. But okay, if Andy Griffith's like that, I'd, I'd be interested. Well, that's the, that's what I'm saying. It's if you've ever watched Andy Griffith, what I'm, I have to explain to you, Sasha. Mayberry is a very wholesome, nerdy American sleepy town. Nothing happens there, mm-hmm. so the cops can just sort of goof around a lot. So Richardson is. I'm not saying nothing bad happens here, but it's it's where I live. It's it's very nice and boring. Like I like it, yeah. and I don't have to travel far. So unless a tornado comes, a couple of those down. did happen yeah. through. <laughs> But like I said, I, I just got spoiled for six, seven years. And so I, it's whenever I do have to go far, it's like, eh, all right, I guess I'll do it. You know. <laughs> well, I'm glad aliens don't have that sort of mentality. As you like, there's your segue. Imagine, imagine there. Yeah, I was waiting for we one. Got everything here in our galaxy. Yeah, we don't want to travel too far. I, I mean, we it takes Some us ten not. minutes to go light at light speed yeah, there's and warp a wormhole. Speed. Sure. Yeah, uh, we have to go the long way. There's different. You remember the last time we went to Earth? <laughs> that was boring. Those naked talking monkeys <laughs> didn't have their shit together. Impressed by a lightning bolt. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Jerry, what, what happened that last time you went to Earth? Yeah, one of them freaked out because lightning hit his key on a kite. <laughs> we don't need to go back there. Dumbasses. <laughs> Remember they those spent ones? years drawing designs in the desert for us. Yeah, <laughs> what the hell was that? They didn't even right. get my face right. 
<laughs> Screw those morons. And then, um, like, they look back, and because you know, for them, it's a split second. Oh my sure. God, they split the atom. The hell did that happen? Right. Yeah. Well, and then, what, 30, 40 years later, atomic bomb. It wasn't even that long. Or was it? Wait a second. Hiroshima? 45? Yeah. When was yeah. the splitting of the atom? Oppenheimer did it a few years before, but we dropped the bomb in Hiroshima in 45. I so. thought it was late 19th century. What are you was, talking about? Wait a second. No, not the atomic bomb. The oh. uh, atom splitting. No, no, I don't know that. I'm just talking about when Oppenheimer Didn't, uh, knew that it was going to be practical. Marie Curry or whatever. Was it Marie Curry? I thought it was a guy. something to do with that. I'll have to look it up. Mm. I'm talking about the practical Ernest application. Ernest Walton, Walton, 1932. Okay. So it took about 20, uh, 15 yeah. years. And then we said, hey, let's blow shit up. Can you imagine what that is for aliens? It's like to visit Earth and to see them split the atom. Oh, my God. Let's check on them 70 years later. What are they doing? They're worshiping the Kardashians. Oh, fuck this planet. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's hard to defend us on surface levels, yes. No, but dude. it's not about the surface level, I, I feel, with higher consciousness you think aliens would come down and see us right now and they'd be like okay a handful of these they see through us probably they they probably don't look at us on like a surface level and say oh look at look at the tits on her holy cow that they're probably like hey look at her heartbeat it's uh in tune with circadian rhythm she lives a healthy life her her gut digests her food very thoroughly and she has good oh skin God. they probably think about all the cows have been tearing up and lasering so I don't they know. can probably assess us inside and out and determine how well we live our life as individuals very quickly and to the point where judgment doesn't even come into play because they with the snap of their fingers have an assessment of how we've treated ourselves as individuals i think that's trivial compared to how we've treated the planet and then they would look at that and be uh, like you here's guys. your segue <laughs> that was the same they would look at us and be like oh these fucking idiots did anybody read that uh that thousand page uh, global warming update yeah from the international I, because of you i stayed i up skimmed late. through it I, I stayed up late reading much of it are you a speed reader um it just depends if if it's something i've read before i kind of read it slow because i want to just reabsorb and yeah. enjoy it but, but can you speed read yeah, I've learned how Interesting. to do this. Oh, read like, the, with your fingers? That's how you speed. I don't know how to speed read mm. other than using my fingers. Oh, I look at like the chunk, the paragraph. That's one way. It's I just, fascinating. I, I do it this way. Like I'll read, let's do this. Ah. Across the page. Da, 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 da. So if I use my finger, I can speed read really quick. I've incorporated, I should have told my mom this when we were having this argument about taking your expertise in one field and supplanting it over another and seeing if it applies. I do it with numbers. Like when I see... Um, a stack of like 10 numbers, like when we're playing a game and I got to add them all up. I just add them all up by looking at the the whole, like all the numbers. Mm. Um, and I can visualize the final uh, number rather quickly. So I've taken that into reading over the last six, seven months. And it actually works. I can look at the sentences. I started with like two sentences at a time. And I could read two sentences simultaneously, concurrently, to the point where I, reg really I register most of the words. And now I'm on like three sentences. So I'm reading this article right here and I can see three sentences at a time and like ingest what's happening without going line by line by line. So that's why I ask about speed reading because there are different ways of doing There's it. There's many different ways of doing it. I've just, the way I've done it now, when I'm mm -hmm. in the mood of speed reading, it's just what I've done since I was a kid. So naturally I just go like, da -da 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 -da. next page. Da -da 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 -da. Fascinating. Yeah, that's, I, I could probably learn how you're doing it, but I, I'm just so used to doing this shit. What's helped me a lot is reading the back of movie cases. <laughs> Three sentences at a God, time. Look around. I got like 10,000 movies. I don't want to read 
every single like line of every single movie. Yeah. So I, I can see the whole chunk in the synopsis on the back and boom, done. Man, you could just fly fun. Debbie does Dallas if Morgan brought that over. Like I don't think I need to read any of that synopsis. <laughs> the cover's probably gonna tell me all I need you to think know. So? I don't know what the cover of Debbie look does Dallas looks like though. I, I but you can Google it. Is it yeah. vulgar vulgar? No. No. Back okay. then the novel I have a clean history on this computer as of the last three months and I don't want to taint Kudos. I do, Morgan. You type in the letter D as soon as on Google. It's like, oh, <laughs> liar. Right. Filthy. Oh, it's clean. No, She's in a cowboy costume, and they actually have the cowboy star. Yeah. yeah. She's a cowboy cheer man. Cheerleader, yes. Yeah, that's the novelty of it. It's like it's Dallas, bro, in the 70s. Mm. Of course she's a cheerleader. <laughs> of course she's a cheerleader. Oh, yeah. It's just, it looks very innocent. It looks like just some 70s family movie. It's just a girl in a cowboy hat and a cheerleader uniform in front of a football. That's all it is. Five minutes into the movie, not so innocent (laughs) as she commences her doing of Dallas. I think it, maybe it isn't. It may be less than five minutes. (laughs) Morgan's trying to remember the timestamps. So what happens when? He had to fast forward back in his day. I've never, oh, man. Pause to wear that pause button out. Which is actually, it was easier to remember timing and timestamps back with that technology. Because Blu-ray uh, players, you don't really see the time anymore on the screen, do you? Um, like when you press pause in a movie, does it show you the running time where you're at? I think so, yeah. Hmm. With the PS5, it does. I haven't paid much attention. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're uh, you're an elitist. I am now. <laughs> Thanks to my <laughs> you, girl. You joined the elitist club of PS5 owners. Good. Good for you. You deserve it, Miguel. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> i'm a corporate sheep is what i am for being such a sucker stuff that like that thing. it is because as much as i talk shit about corporations i'm i'm a i am i'm such a, a sucker for it like I, I i love the fact that we got the ps5 early me and you both hunt steel books not just because we like to flip it because that shit is fun yeah i'm in my 30s and i treat steel books and movies uh like the way i was a kid showing off certain cards of baseball cards and comic books now man well, I've been thinking about it. There is probably a chemical necessity inside of human beings to hmm. um, not be addicted, but to have something that you um, go about excessively. It's because a hobby. The adage is, you know, everything in moderation, right? But yeah. the curiosity is going to spark you eventually in some regard, whether it's sex for some, whether it's collecting stuff for another, whether it's eating for other people or working for some people. Something's going to come along that um, says you're going to go overboard with. Yeah. And I don't know. The effects can be good and bad. Isn't there a difference between a vice and a hobby, you think? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because like a, a hobby isn't necessarily unhealthy. A vice, we usually use You can use be a that, serial killer. Well, yeah. <laughs> a, a vice, we usually use uh, synonymously with something bad, right? Yes. Well, you could, you know, buy your way out of your house. Yeah, but if when you had a shopping addiction or yeah. like me, That's I get, true. If I with a gambling addiction, I could gamble my house away. I mean, you could, yeah. I've and then gambling people, would turn yeah. from a hobby into a vice. A vice. That's true. So there but then theoretically what you're saying is a vice is always something negative? The connotation there is something that's not healthy always. From an outsider's perspective, I think it's a judgmental thing. I think I think people uh, attribute vices to you versus yourself. Mm. unless you're yeah, just self-aware to where you can say, oh yeah, drinking alcohol, I do it every night. It's a vice. Yeah. Okay. But not a lot of people do that. A vice might be something you have to do mm-hmm. in order to feel like you're, you know, healthy, um, smoking, 
I guess could be referred to as a vice drinking, gambling. Something that you feel like you just have to do. And you don't even get the definition if you just type in vice in Google. You get that shitty uh, magazine and uh, you get Miami Vice covers and stuff like that. Immoral or wicked behavior is how they define it, ah, which I don't, the, I don't is, is agree that with the, that. The, the uh, definition you're reading now? That would be sin. Well, it's synonymous with sin. So what is, but are you a reading? vice is not a sin in my book. Well, so yeah, I'm reading the definition according to Google. What does it say again? Noun, immoral or wicked behavior, an open sewer of vice and crime. <laughs> that's is, their sentence. That's Criminal what? activities involving prostitution, pornography, or drugs. Well, that's the literal legal sense, though. That's the, that's crazy. Yeah, to me, Miami Vice is is about if they're uh, deriving their definition from an '80s um, TV show. It's not it's not the way to go. A vice today means something different. I think. I think it's changed over time because back in the '80s, when you say vice, you're thinking of drugs because of the show, like Miami yeah. Vice. And now we've kind of lessened the weight as, of it. Yeah, it's yeah. not as abrasive, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine by me. Yeah. I like to have a couple of vices, like uh, steelbook shopping is a vice, and, and it's but it's not a vice; it's an addiction. So, so, so is, well, is, is, it, is it a hobby or it's, a vice? It's, it's a hobby. It's not a vice unless it hurts you, prevents you from taking care of your family, or or hurts you in some <laughs> way. You should, should perform like you buy so many steelbooks, you can't. You're, you're you're buying steelbooks instead of buying food for the family. Like <laughs> okay. you know what I'm saying? Like your kids so be, it's, it's, it's malnourished because there's of your, a, it's not there's a, vice a future. Yeah, there's a future like 2020 story waiting to happen. <laughs> People can become addicted to anything. You guys ever watch that shit? Uh, My strange addiction. Mm-hmm. Yes. The weirdest shit. Sometimes it's people shot having a shopping addiction, putting themselves in debt, but it's sometimes it's weird shit. Like this one girl who's eating mothballs or Laundry detergent, I think, was one that I saw. It's like fascinating. Laundry like, it's like the powdered laundry the pods? detergent. Well, that was a movement. Not, not pods, powder. Oh, the powder. Were they itself? eating it or it playing just, with it, it? It would just, it would lick it out of their hand. Yeah. What the? F- <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Have you heard of this movie um, called Swallow? I know more. Not it, the one you're thinking of. No. Uh, have you heard of this movie? No. It came out uh, 2021. It's about like an oppressed housewife i believe who that yeah that sounds like the same movie i'm thinking of came out back in 89 (laughs) there's a lot of movies with that premise a young housewife with a seemingly perfect marriage and life develops a disorder that gives her an irresistible urge to eat inedible objects is this is a documentary or no this is a movie movie. this is a this is like an a24 style horror movie that came out in 2019 yeah i know i have to go get it it's on hulu so i'm interested in seeing it she's She's actually pregnant too, so it adds that bit of horror element to it because oh God. Uh, it's got like a Rosemary's Baby sort of vibe to it. Like, is the baby forcing her to eat all these inedible objects? And is it? Yeah, it's and, gotten great reviews. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes, eighty-four percent. I mean, that means a lot these days. Eighty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, sixty-eight on Metacritic, uh, and the fans cover, like it. Too. The covers her with like a thumbtack up to her mouth. Who the hell is this? Disturbing. She looks like uh, J Law. She looks Jr. like Jennifer Lawrence had a baby with uh, what's her name, Hella from Thor. What's oh, her yeah. name, Kate? Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. That's what she looks like. Interesting. Now I'm gonna watch this movie this weekend. I got a got a lot of movies, movies to watch I this do. weekend, man. Shivers. I gave you some stuff from the 50s, the 60s. Ooh, my tweet it. Okay, I'm. I think my tweet <laughs> has gone viral at this point. I'm at 150 retweets. Oh, I, it's no. minor viral. It's what is it? What does it say? Oh. You're not going to like this one. 
probably. Um, so this is in response. Did you guys hear about that Indiana doctor who um, went to like uh, a meeting in a small town, Indiana, and started talking about uh, COVID to the crowd and his experience with it and how the establishment and CDC was kind of uh, misleading folks in many ways about the virology of how diseases spread and how the vaccinated folks are not like impervious to spreading it. And he's basically, this this was under a week ago, he's basically reiterating a lot of the stuff that uh, we had discussed two or three weeks ago prior to the, ma- the new mass mandates uh, being issued in multiple big city counties, which Miguel had mentioned was going to be on the horizon. And it's because with this variant, or at least hypothetically it is, because the big establishment's not yet come out and really confirmed that the spread of the Delta variant is the fault of all non-mask wearers and all people that are treating this. Why do we have to lay fault at anyone? Well, because it can be stopped. What was your... You're right. It can be stopped. And the most logical way of stopping it is everybody gets a vaccination. Here's where I stand as a vaccinated person. I'm not sure why I should have to walk around and be forced to do things differently because other people decided not to get the vaccination. I am free of any guilt of getting anyone sick that's unvaccinated. Look, vaccine's been out for a while now. It's your choice not to get it. Not my fault if if I get you sick. Just not. Interesting. Now, I'll wear a mask or I have to wear a mask or go into. If I'm not required, I'm probably not wearing it. Well, you are now in Dallas County, right? If you're in Dallas County, yeah. Yeah, well, that's what I said. If if you're required, I'll yeah. wear it. If you're not required, you're I'm not, not wearing it. Isn't that a fundamental difference to people who are tend to be vaccinated and people who are not? Is that most of us who are vaccinated are more than willing to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Most of those who are unvaccinated are part of that same line of thinking that's like, I'm not doing shit. Right. Yeah. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not not going to send my kid to school. Right. This is overblown. And then they end up in the ICU. God, that's another major like uh, question mark for me is the safety of schools right now and public schools. We, I don't know. I don't know how we can quantify that right now, the safety of it. Because I know, but you're going to have to wait to what? See 10% of the, uh, the hospital cases be kids in like the fall. It's not going to make a difference in red states like Texas or Florida. P.S. Sasha, what does it say that most people who are probably liking your tweet are most of the re- most regressive people that are probably following Mike Liddell and Trump right now? I hope they're believing not. Believing every crazy fucking thing. There was actually just a Time Magazine article that came out recently. It talked about how Facebook is losing the battle when it comes to fighting misinformation on their site, when it comes to the COVID vaccine. There's a lot of shit that's saying that it... it it's made from animal DNA. Mm-hmm. There was a story that's floating around right now that said it's made from, it's an RNA vaccine that they got from animals. And so don't be surprised if you grow scales or have all these weird <laughs> side effects. If I were an evil scientist, I think what I would do is somehow make the virus even more evil to where it kills at a higher rate mm-hmm. and then see if they change their tune about getting a vaccine. Yeah, it's going to happen naturally. No, these variants, it doesn't. Well, these variants. They're not could intensify. Deadly. They are. No, I don't think so. They become more we're contagious. Still in, we're but still they in not year. More deadly. We're in year two. We're in month eighteen. But we this. know throughout the history of every virus we've ever known that mm-hmm. it doesn't get deadlier over time. Yeah, but 
so if uh, the virus hey, wants to live, apply your it glo- doesn't kill its host. Apply your global climate change um, rebuttals when Miguel and I are talking about. We know in the last 150, 200 years that the trend line is going towards this. Apply it to this same argument, and it, it's me saying it to you. It's like, yeah, anything, we know in the last 100, deadly. 200 years, right, mm-hmm. because of medicine. But then uh, COVID changed a little bit about it because it, it, it changes the approach slightly because it's affecting everyone. It's not going away, and it continues to hospitalize, and we still are in the early stages of long-term effects that we don't know what the potentials are. So, I mean, I think our approach to this has to change. And but your mom yeah. made an extremely good point about how it's not really that new, the vaccine. Like there's only a small, like we already have a grand knowledge of vaccinating for this type of a a virus. And it's really a one protein, she said, that you're really altering. But where does the confidence from professionals and and established big science come from that says, oh, we're very well equipped to handle this? Like, is that not slightly arrogant? in the face of a disease that's killed three and a half million people worldwide in 18 months? Is it not a little slightly arrogant to say, we know uh, we've had the the vaccines on deck for 20, the technology for this for 25, 30 years. We were putting the thing together in January of 2020 to fix people up. Well, three and a half million people have died so far. Four million, I think at this point, that was a stat from like three or four months ago. I don't know what the total death count is, but that's not a small number. Is well, it That's is not, a very, not. very small percentage, point zero zero two five <laughs> okay. of a of the world's population. We, did you see the big deal we made when like fifteen hundred people died in a couple of buildings on nine eleven, or when an airplane disappears and hundred and thirty people go disappearing? Three and a half million people died in the last eighteen months of a disease that we quote unquote have very well taken care of. Go back to no business said, as usual. No, no one big deal. said it's well taken care of. What they're saying is there's a history and it doesn't take five years to produce a vaccine for something of this nature. But what you're saying is that it is still well taken care of. You've kind of said it this whole way and people like my mom will say it as well who are part of the medical establishment. I understand. I just feel as if some of that is slightly um, arrogance, not the right word. It's a little um, optimistic in the face of the reality that four million people have died from a disease in the last 18 months that we know, in my opinion, a very small amount about. Could you be confusing, Sasha, uh, arrogance and overconfidence with acknowledging that we have some kind of context to go on medically? I think our context is retroactive in this scenario. I think we have context and confidence in data that is like applicable to a point in time that we have passed at this point. I think that's how the vaccine was put together. That's all we can do in science I, is go by what we know. I, know. I would not characterize what's happening right now as overconfidence. As a matter of fact, the medical experts are saying, be careful because we don't know. They're not overconfident. As a matter of fact, they're the ones that are being contextually honest by saying, we don't know. Here's the new Delta variant, and now here's the new Lambda variant. But they're like be that. observing what's going to happen with this shit. They're like that, I feel, when afterwards, after the, uh, there's like a buffer period where in each stage of this over the course of two years, I felt like the confidence in handling it all the way back to the Trump 
regime that said, you know, 15 weeks of this and we're, everything's going to be fine. We're not going to have many cases. It all started there. And the science was on his side then, too. They yeah. said, hey, well, Fauci came out and said he was hesitant. He said this could get very ugly very quickly. But if we stick to this plan that we put together for the president, if we do this for 15 weeks and if America's on board with it, which I thought most of America was on board bored with the lockdowns and the, you know, avoiding public crowds and everything being shut down, that things would be contained. And then when they weren't, then the reality sets into the establishment. They're like, well, the cat's out of the bag. The secret's out. We can't really uh, damage control this anymore. And then they have to be very transparent. And it's, to me, that's been like a cycle of instances throughout this two years to where it's like, Super optimistic, super everything's hunky-dory, because it has to be, for the economy, for the sake of normal life. Mm -hmm. And then when the shit hits the fan, it's like back down to reality. Mass mandates come back out. Here we go again. And they swallow their words. And it's the the scapegoat in this is, well, that's what science does. That's I mean, that's I, science can only work with what they've got. But Morgan's telling me, and my mom's telling me, they have all this figured out. This is nothing new. I've never saying. said they have it all figured out. It's like having a math problem that has 10 elements and you already know eight elements. You've been dealing with these eight elements for a hundred years in science. And so when something new comes along, all you're dealing with is the last two elements of this formula you've been using for a hundred years. When was the last time we had a pandemic in a hyper-capitalistic world? Probably never because it's been contained in the past. You didn't have... When was the last time you had air travel in the abundance that you have it now and you have... But what does this matter? But that's well, why how viruses this, spread now. Okay, yeah, but why does this matter based on what the information you just asked me about and then I gave you? What does air travel matter about that knowledge? Well, we're back open to air travel. I brought up the fact that New Zealand to you in a couple of text messages, and we can get into yes, but the, what does all that matter in the grand scheme of things? Because it's so stoppable. Here's the, here's the, you're right. It's still stoppable. If the government had said everybody's getting a vaccination, you don't have mm. a freaking choice, and we're all vaccinated, we're not here today with a mask mandate. We're not. One thing you said, Sasha, is I think it's that four and a half million. It, at this you point. you might be uh, maybe it's good a, riddance. So <laughs> good riddance to the six hundred twenty one thousand Americans that have passed away from COVID in the last twenty months. Let me tell you, I think that Sasha, you might be even it's unintentional conflating uh, what the medical experts have said with Trump. Remember, Dr. Fauci was placed under a lot of pressure uh, earlier on from the Trump administration to sort of stick with certain narratives and be careful what he said so he doesn't get his ass fired. The truth is, though, is that as time went on, they started to deviate because Trump was more interested in political narratives and yeah. Fauci was more interested in trying to get out the truth. And that's why they came into conflict. That's where the right wing started to hate him. At first, yes. Well, yeah. So what I'm saying is that I think you might be conflating what Trump was saying when he was being overconfident that what Fauci and the other medical experts were trying to say and get out there. Right. This, the same shit happened in Florida. Look what happened to that one nurse that was trying to get the, the data out about what was happening there. And DeSantis sent his thugs after her. Sure. So there's always going to be a political narrative, and then there's going to be the medical truth that they're trying to get out there. Now on the other side of the coin, the Democrats have to somewhat be, because they're in charge now politically, they still have to exude a sense of overconfidence in their control over the situation I as well. I think that they're smart enough to know not to bullshit because it will bite them in the ass. I'm not a huge fan of Biden. I don't. Mm. I trust him and Kamala as far as I can fucking throw their old asses. Having said that, there's no comparison. They know they're not stupid. Mm -hmm. As disagreeable as I find them and their administration, they're not dumb. They're not going to be pushing narratives like the Trump thought, like Trump did when it comes to what they can get away with. 
Okay, and there, you're not gonna, as as crazy as Biden comes across to see and senile. You're never going to hear Biden say, uh, "Yeah, and we can look into doing uh, some disinfectant uh, in the of body." Not. That's level one. Mm-hmm. And another level to that, Sasha, is like I said, they're they're not they're smart enough not to know to bullshit too much. They will bite them in the ass. They were observing what happened with Trump and all the bullshit he tried to get away with. He had a cult following that would believe anything Trump said. Biden doesn't have that. The left is going to be willing to call him out on shit that Trump's base was not. So if if you're thinking that Biden has um, and Kamala have the incentive politically to say, hey, everything's fine, everything's going to be okay, of course they they can't panic people. But at the same time, they know they can't bullshit like the last administration did. They're going to be more willing to tell the truth um, because they have to politically. And the other administration just thought, no, 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 no. Let's see what we can get away with politically. Um, because because sure. the the left is, is – Well, there was less to work with too at first. There was, but – But it was still com- – a lot of what we heard was complete bullshit. Yeah. Or at least the the way to tackle it. From who? Who was? What was most of the bullshit coming from? Though, where was it coming from? Was it, was it coming from, from the Trump, president or was it coming States? from the the at the I, time? I would say the, the whole world. The whole world fucked this up. Fuck oh this, yeah, well, I mean, I, oh yeah. We can go back and listen to our talks about the Iranian uh, the Iranian government officials that the guy basically walked up to the podium coughing and wheezing yes. everywhere yeah. in the first three weeks of COVID. Got what his China? whole staff. China, China covered China as well. Up. Sure, we, we're never going to know for the next. Just do it in the years. Trump voice. Uh, China, <laughs> we're never. China is never going to know. Uh, we're, we're never going to know how many people actually died from COVID between 2018 and 2023. You want to hear something scary? I've been thinking a lot about Morgan's pure hypothetical that this is alien. Like and you know why I've been thinking about that? Because the, a lot of the conversations we've had here as of late, have been about aliens um, forcing consciousness upon us, forcing the acceleration of like us facing certain predicaments that we would never face because we're a lazy species and so we don't want to... You're talking about forcing us into a precipice? Into a precipice point. And then you couple... So you couple Morgan's uh, complete left-field theory with... <laughs> cu- couple his theory of COVID being alien with my theory of aliens like forcibly... Uh, pushing us forward into a new elevated state of consciousness, coupled, tripled with your theory, way back in the day, episode eighteen, nineteen, saying it would it would have to be some sort of cataclysmic event for so, us to be humbled. Yeah. <laughs> so take all three of those theories oh. together, and I'm not saying COVID is it. I think there's plenty more to come, and I think we're in the early stages of COVID. Period. I've maintained that. I said this is like a three to seven year thing minimum. Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, we're in year two. We're part of, part of me wants to get vaccinated now just so I can come back in six months and say, okay, um, what's changed? Like, <laughs> you're not I in got, the hospital, I, but I, well, but I'm I'm not in the hospital, not yet. And as your friends, we fucking <laughs> I know we won't get it's we won't essentially get into that. insurance. It's a kind of insurance. Temporary insurance. It's better well, not your having vehicle nothing. insurance is only six months or twelve months. Yeah, but if you drive, yeah, that's true. You got to renew it. But if you, yes. dr- but if you drive, if you haven't gotten in a wreck and you're a safe driver, it's other people that are the risks. But you still have to take out insurance based on to other people. Yourself from the other people. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. life. 
You no, lock your that's not life. Fucking door the aliens don't reason. see it as as that life. So the aliens are going to take care of the other people. They'll eliminate insurance. Look out, Miguel. Oh, fuck yeah. Them. Go. You better get in this <laughs> media my, game quick, if, buddy. If my insurance, if if my job goes uh, kaput, kaputs, it's not going to be because <laughs> I knew you were of gonna aliens. Use it, it's going to be because of self-driving cars. And even then, we'll find yeah. a way to survive. Well, yeah, you'll you'll make the manufacturers of the cars or whoever services the cars i like what the truck drivers we'll get back to the aliens in a second um a very smooth segue and they're not so far from aliens the truck drivers um (laughs) are the mass exodus of truck drivers is interesting me because they're getting ahead of the ball from all the rumors they've been hearing about self-driving vehicles and stuff like that at the end of the decade are they when biden comes out and he says by 2030 he wants half of the vehicles to be self-driven or self-driving yeah it's overly ambitious because I think that that's not going to happen until the late mid 2030s. Um, mm. I, I think it's coming. There's going to be a lot of self-driving 18 wheelers on the road, but there's too, there are too many companies that want a human being behind the wheel, and they're going to want that for the longest time. You know? Yeah, and, I don't know. I mean, they they've made those test runs between Dallas and Houston with those trucks. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're still doing them or not. But Tesla killed somebody during one of those, <clears> so. And um, I don't know if those were Tesla trucks or not. Ah, I'm that, but, um, I've been in one of those damn things but, when it was self-driving. I mean, it was scary. The moment that it comes to that tipping point, that tipping point may not be that far away. It may not be 15 years. It might be five years, six years, uh, where everything just tips very quickly hmm. um, and starts to go down that path. I mean, we're going to be living in a very different world in the 2030s than where we are now. I mean, I know that. Oh, certainty. yeah. Yeah, it's um, like I may only ever buy an, one more car. What was that? Oh, really? Well, I mean, if this one lasts me another five years. And as long as you don't let your wife drive it, right. I think you're in good yeah, shape. Me too. What was that movie we saw a trailer to yesterday where I'm like, oh, this is a this is an Anunnaki origin story that Marvel's trying to. Uh, Eternals. Eternals. Yeah. Um, alien. Get ready for aliens. Or at least the large scale alien disclosure get ready for that because a lot of this disney stuff a lot of the the superhero stuff from the last 20 years the elitists are warming us up to this shit coming well they're not warming us up they're warming the the kiddos up and the younger crowd up to the fact that uh yeah Yeah, your life's not in your hands they've been doing that for years with et yeah but et was a kind kind gentle kind gentle characters what do they want to do the, do the they want they want them to turn into morgan who thinks uh alien invasions uh bound to happen based on the movies he grew up on it's not based on movies it's just based on what you've seen on this planet anytime we talk about exploration or or two peoples meeting each other it's never hey i want to move you forward and be your friend it's i'm gonna kick Chop your ass your, i'm gonna convert you i'm gonna convert yeah. you to my religion and i'm gonna use all your resources that you have but, but you would think that aliens would would implement that same strategy with us, Morgan. What if perhaps what drives them into space travel is not consciousness; it's need. And if they're they 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 gain space travel because they have to get off a planet or because resources are out, and all they're doing is searching for new resources, why is that not plausible? You're applying though the human pathology to aliens, which may not be. It may not be, but. Because it's like, well, a, why do humans explore? Is it always out of need, or is that out of need, is that out of discovery? Is it out of uh, broadening the horizons? Well, it's generally out of resources, right? 
generally, but some of the some of the greatest explorers uh, who did the the Cape. You think the Pizarro? No, hold on a second. All of them were well. They were doing fun. it. They were doing it for the church, and it wasn't altruistic. It was still let me find resources and people to conquer and steal from. I mean, they were supported and financed by the Inquisition. Um, that Christopher Colon was. I mean, he was a, basically a, a Jew in hiding, pretending to be a Catholic, and the Queen basically sent him over. Yeah, you're gonna convert. You're gonna find us better resources. That was her incentive. But no, Christopher Columbus wanted to find himself, I think, in the history books. He wanted to find the new world, you know, so I think that he... Uh, it's, it was all about gold. It wasn't about... You don't think it, it, that he had a motivation to be uh, to be known for... He wanted to be rich. <laughs> I don't know, man. And he had knowledge anyway ahead of time that yeah. land was already there to go to. It wasn't like he was making some great new discovery. Sorry. It was Magellan, Magellan I was thinking about, uh, not Napoleon. Magellan. Napoleon I was like, you that <laughs> short French warlord? You have it's a bias. Okay. I got some shit on Twitter uh, earlier this week for mixing Schopenhauer and Oppenheimer up, but that's just because of the concepts. <laughs> I I'm, an, dude, I'm a literary English mind, so sometimes I mix names I up based on the sound. So Magellan, Napoleon, eh, yeah. my bad. Magellan. Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, I would... He was the guy who did the, he wanted to circumnavigate the globe, yeah. right? Okay. He did. But I he, think that you're going to find people in history who did want to find themselves in the history books. Sure. And there's others like Morgan's talking about that the incentive was resources. Yes. Conversion. And I, that could be applicable to my as above, so below theory. And it works the same way up there. There may be, we've discussed this, there may be malevolent alien species that do want to eventually make it to Earth and infiltrate and try to conquer for nefarious reasons. But there could be... Species that want to explore, that want to dis- – I mean, I'm reading uh, Women Are From Venus, Men Are From men Mars. Mars from Venus, that old-ass book. That old-ass book from the early 90s, but the opening paragraph is intriguing. Like, if women were sitting on Venus at some point, <laughs> and they all inhabited Venus millions of years ago, and the men are on Mars, and Earth is in the middle, and they both converge simultaneously – out of discovery and they discovered each other. It's, it's like, eh, yeah, it's all bullshit. But, um, <laughs> in a larger context, one alien species being on this side of the galaxy, the other being on this side of the galaxy. And there could be like some, some convergences, not necessarily here, but somewhere out there with like the, um, the mindset differences of, of exploring the cosmos. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about, societies that are there is here planets apart so mm. why wouldn't there be different beliefs and different ideas like yeah. you do probably have some things out there that are incredibly malevolent mm-hmm. you have things that are the opposite or incredibly contrary to like the anunnaki theories sure um well some people say they're malevolent as well this yeah. guy yeah yeah they built the slave race right <laughs> They, just, that's pretty and then, hypothetical and then just left the slave race to do whatever it wanted to do that's incredible i've heard that theory before that basically humans are were basically created we're offshoots of primitive apes to be used for certain things and afterward like ah, I'll see you guys later yeah you dumbass hair, hairless apes what'd they get gold and they just happen to leave uh millions of tons of it back here i probably just got what they needed i don't know what they why would wouldn't need. you want all the gold because you don't need it all it's not like our planet's grown gold is it safe to say that the amount of gold that was present when they were here is still the amount of gold that's present today no 
How does gold form? I don't know. Okay. I'm not a gold expert. I would have thought, no, I would have thought that but an exotic uh, material like gold would, the same quantity would have to be here than that was here I, it, beforehand. I don't know that it's being necessarily produced right. at this point. So then yeah. can't you refute that Anunnakians were here for gold theory? Because there was so much gold here still. I am not familiar with what where they, would they've I got. Guess. Where where would they have plucked it out of? Like think of the mountains in the Pacific United States that produced the gold yeah, rush. But it might would they have not have seen that on their little predator radar like thing that scans well, for gold? You're assuming that they have all that technology. Maybe okay. flight doesn't require that you have that technology to scan a planet and go directly <laughs> to the point that has the most gold. And maybe they did, and that turned out to be the Middle East where they were. Sure. Maybe they just wanted to teach us math and clay pottery. <laughs> so they're basically <laughs> so the best way to do it was to enslave you and uh, make you mine gold. But I like the I like the theory that they did want to help us, but maybe they fell in love with the women of this planet. I like that theory. What they were simp's at the same time? No, <laughs> no. They, they I like I like the idea that they. They weren't necessarily malevolent, but they had non-altruistic goals. That to first. me is, is fascinating. It's but like, then they were won over by the life here somewhat you are, because of the engagement with the human women. Let me get this straight. So you are a civilization that is so advanced that you can actually span the stars. You mm-hmm. have the technology and the means to do that, mm-hmm. and yet you're going to simp. What if you're asexual? Exactly. So what why if the civilization? Why would they get be? Well, get because it's brand. Over that's, a, that's an unknown. That's completely new. So this it's is a new experience. Them. That is incredible to me. So basically, these this advanced civilization would be suckers for OnlyFans. What amazing! <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too far fetched. They are. They are. Into- Take a look at the human species. Exactly, and we're primates. I have a hard time thinking that. Oh, but they they wouldn't be suckers for OnlyFans. There weren't OnlyFans around a million years Same ago. Same thing. You're talking no. about them being no, there was no over hairless. I'm sorry. I, I might get a little vulgar, but there was no. I doubt that there was throat fucking a million years ago. There's always been throat fucking. <laughs> I would agree with Miguel here. Every orifice, because human humans are fucking apes. You go back and mean you take. You I just don't we're, think we're gonna we're gonna jump in a time machine. Okay. I don't think sexual vulgarity is I, anything is that's it? been around for for more than a hundred years. Are you? I don't crazy? think in the thirties and forties people Have were fingering each other's assholes. Black I'm sorry. And white eighteen no. hundreds porn no. from Europe. It is. Filthy. Yeah, I think it launched in Europe in the twenties and thirties. Have you have you seen monkeys fuck? Yes. Okay. They do everything <laughs> because they will hump rocks. Okay. They will hump pillows. They will sixty nine. Mm-hmm. They will use every. I'm editing a lot can. of this. I said some bad words. I don't care. What I'm saying is, is I'm speaking in a scientific sense. A monkey will hump a rock. The 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 idea that you think that primitive man wasn't doing whatever felt good or experimentally sexual. You're crazy. For a sustained amount of time, yeah, I disagree. Have you ever seen the video with the chimpanzee and the frog? No, (laughs) I don't want to see. This sounds like how I walked into two girls, one cup. One chimp, one frog? Nah, not doing it. Not Googling it. My my history history is clean on this computer, Morgan. I'm not doing it. I don't want to see that. (laughs) The the idea that you think that's... Is that a zoo? I do think sexual depravity is something relegated to the last 150 years. What is depravity? Well, we're men here, so nothing's depraving to stick your dick down a woman's throat, but it's a little depraving to her, in my opinion. 
The idea, Sasha, that again, what you're it's calling depravity goal. is like if we go back in time and we look at Cro-Magnon Man or we look at even Gigantopithecus, okay, one of our ancestors. <laughs> that sounds like a porn. It's, it was a hairy guy. It was a big giant. It's, uh, it's, it's okay. like where we think Bigfoot came from. Yeah. Okay? You go to pr- the most primitive ancestor of ours. I can guarantee you they're throat-fucking frogs. They're throat-fucking <laughs> their neighbor's wife, or back then was considered a wife. They're humping trees. They're humping have to rocks. I'm this episode from something to throat-fucking. I'm not going to do it. I'm taking this <laughs> whole chunk but out. This idea that you, from something to chimp with frogs. Oh, gosh. I get no. out of your, your characterization of depravity when all – for God's sake, Sasha, people are apes. For hundreds of thousands of years, people have been living. Let me explain my uh, my the context for why I have this theory. Because everything in the human species has been evolutionary. And so if I think of sexual activity, I don't think they had everything that we see porn videos of they didn't have- now figured out. Like, hey, oh, look. Anal sex is a thing, even. I don't think they figured that out you like within a minute. Crazy. You don't no, think I just don't think they did. man was. I think it took a hundred or five hundred no years. Freaking way. No, he went, there's were... a hole. I'm fucking it. <laughs> and it didn't matter where the hole was. Your ears got used up back in none like of 10, this, years. None of this <laughs> registers, which is so weird. That not in the co- tree. That I don't know. Yeah, have you seen Caligula? That water buffalo. Uh, it's for sale, but no, oh, I'm not seen it. Yes. Okay. Caligula, the movie is is it's mostly trash. Some of it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's based on the real life of Caligula. Caligula wrote extensively about his orgies. That's what he was known for. I mean, Look him up. He no, no. Have, I'm looking up the definition of depravity because it's subjective. You should be looking up chimp with the frog. No. Yeah. Oh my god. But but I mean, okay. So Caligula. Moral corruption, wickedness. It's basically vice. <laughs> Again, subjective. Right. Depravity could fucking be your sheep is somewhat of a vice. I would say it's depravity, in my opinion. Okay. Ten thousand years ago, somebody thought it was just a good Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> what else, or like again, Cal- Caligula loved writing about his orgies. The people who attended his parties write about his orgies. There would be women in there that would be doing horrible things with donkeys, okay, and horses and snakes. He would be doing things with twenty women at a time. Right. So your idea of oh, the depravity has only been happening over the last couple hundred years, bro, read about the Roman Empire, read about the Turkish Empire, read about the Ottoman Empire, read about freaking Genghis Khan, what he, the shit he conquered. Like this has been happening since man or has existed. always existed. Yeah. There's, there's never been non okay. extreme fucking this. <laughs> This started from uh, the the idea that uh, the Anunnaki or alien species, for that matter, could have fallen could have fallen for the women of this planet. So I don't think I'm ready to I'm ready to elaborate on that theory. What if the alien species had a variant of affection towards women that was not rooted in depravity? What if it was rooted in actual love? What if what if the aliens so i guess let me preface this with the question the depraved caveman fucking every orifice that he can find uh-huh. did he evolve into the concept of love or was love something that came from somewhere else to this planet because we've discussed this over the course of the I, I, last 10 episodes do you think that 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 mentality that sexual like whatever goes goes sort of mindset 
can eventually develop into what we now connotate as like an emotional attachment to someone. Love is part of our evolutionary biology. It doesn't have to have anything to do with I mean with specifically with the, uh, with the heterosexual male-female relationship, could love have been something that was yes. inserted from a separate species being involved with women that the primal man borrowed from once he saw it no okay no, i don't think so because it's part of our evolutionary biology it's why we're around mm. and basically um i thought i thought that was just the, the need for rep reproduction and, and fucking anything that moves no because the tribes that that survived hundreds of thousands of years ago are the ones that learned how to trade and act peacefully they were and the work ones together reproduced that too but the love what we call love, the chemical reactions in our brain, sure. is part of our evolutionary biology. I mean, it can. What if that's I, well, alien itself? I might argue that it. What would you argue, Morgan? That you that religion is what brought on what brings on love. What? This is going to be interesting. Continue. That, well, if there's no religion, I mean, the only, I mean, you, the only way you propagate the species is by not getting with one mate and staying with one Multiple. mate for your. It's get with multiple and, and not necessarily be around to raise the children either. Right. It's about, so you're suggesting that monogamy is what spawned love. Sure. Hmm. Mm. That's, that's fascinating. That's, that's fascinating to me. The idea, but did, but did, did we believe we so had now, monogamy? Take your theory, religion, combine it with mine. <laughs> monogamy between alien species and human woman. Look, I, I I might buy that the aliens swing by and go, huh, I don't have that notch in my bedpost. Right? Let me swing in here and knock off the but human it's not. Piece. But that's the human but, approach no. because that's what men do. They're like, oh, hey, and I don't, well, they, go quiet, to, they go to a bar. Oh, hey, I've never slept with a, a brunette with green eyes from uh, the Philippines before. Right. Oh, let me notch that on my belt. But aliens... The higher consciousnesses of alien probably species probably care less about sex. They probably see it more as just a only the way to. Unless love is like no, some sort of some sort of unique emotional experience for them because they're asexual. Well, if it's our biology, then they can't experience it. What? If love is simply the chemical makeup of a human being, how Are do they, you know it even exists in an alien? That's what I'm arguing is like the reverse reality. I've said this before. Um, that's not to say that human beings couldn't experience love, but that they may not be the originators of the concept, or and not that it's even a concept. It could just be a raw energy, and to well, again it's a chemical reaction on this planet. And the way we've got it figured out, it's a neuro neurological reaction to a set of circumstances and environments and all that. That could be something that has been realized to a much fuller degree outside of this planet of ape minds who knows uh, what aliens might think of the concept of love it could be something like unity consciousness or a higher elevated sense of uh, belonging to a bigger picture like, yeah i mean the an, an alien you know the astronaut um could say it is extremely primitive some but could yeah. but the astronaut you... effect i think backs me up a little bit here the um that? well i don't that's not the proper term for it but uh, everybody who goes out into orbit and then they see the planet from behind and they're like life changing experience yeah, i imagine yeah it. they don't want to <laughs> That's what you think. They see it from behind. Oh, jeez, oh, that's crazy. Well, not even directionally. I'm, I'm not sure, but 
No, but um, that is that has to be the most humbling experience in existence is looking yeah. back and seeing that fucking dot right. and realizing how, and what's petty. Guess what aliens see if they're zipping around the galaxy? That little barbell? They see a bunch of dots. They see a bunch of dots, and then they get closer. You ever play the No Man's Sky game? No. It was this no. cool game where uh, there was a galaxy. It's a video game. Or if um, th- there's a galaxy, multiple galaxies that you can fly, and at first you can zip around. At first, they're all little dots, right? But as you get closer to all these different planets and these celestial bodies, you can actually enter the orbit of them, and they're all um, uniquely generated. So it's like a progressively generated video game. There's creatures, there's uh, rock formations, there's variants of that on all these different planets. But it gives you that awe effect in video game format, of course, of zipping around, seeing nothing, and then all of a sudden you see this giant planet, Sounds and then awesome. you, you approach it. Yeah, No Man's Sky. It, it was awesome, and um, I am actually didn't play it nearly as much as I wish I could have, but things change. So yeah, I don't know. If, if I can move around at light speed around not just this galaxy, but any other one, I'm hard-pressed to feel like... Ah, uh, the human beings on this planet. Yeah, they're entitled to one of the strongest forces of energy available in the entire. I mean, cosmological. It's, it's, it's so, like, there's theories that the. Again, this is just a theory, but there's theories that the entire scope of the universe is basically a product of love, as an energetic force. What a terrible theory. Huh? <laughs> Well, it certainly wasn't built by some guy who wanted to stick his dick in the entire. <laughs> <laughs> that can only get you so far. Like flying around and seeing the a black hole. Hey, Jerry, you want to put it in? Perhaps <laughs> the ever expanding universe and the Big Bang in general was an orgasm. An orgasm. That that could be. And you're We're just a, you're riding a sperm, along your sperm. Yeah. Sure. As above, so below. Right. On a micro level inside of us, it's evident that that's what occurs. Move on up. We could just be the sperm of the universe. That's that's flattering. That is, I mean, we are. (laughs) I think I've said this on an interstellar level. This isn't even an ant farm, man. This is nothing. And it's funny because every single alien movie we always watch. Is that not a, a cynical perspective no but it. it's okay because everything is in the universe and that's not cynical that's contextualizing honestly that doesn't mean we're shit we don't have to be we can be so much more but i'm just saying when it comes to size oh yes i mean when it comes to size dude we're, oh, yeah, we're, absolutely. we're not even an atom and on an interstellar level it's a it's it's insane and it's funny because you your theory about the anunnaki they came here you know they they used us uh and they were done with the monkeys and they took off um it's like what 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 is the theory morgan about what they needed the gold for that's a part that's a big hole for me like what was it because of they were needing it as a power source uh yeah, like, re- recall what george sukalos fed your brain <laughs> what the hell would they care about gold well gold's one of those things that's used in space travel withstands all the radiation it it's a soft malleable metal i mean it, there's a lot of value there's I a lot of practical it. applications right. for it that could be used theoretically that to me is fascinating um but <laughs> Yeah, this idea of that that we're we're so special. Every month there's a little message from NASA saying, Oh, look, we found a new Kepler planet. It has uh water just like us. Oh, look, there's another Kepler planet that looks just like ours. I don't think we're that unique. Well, we get CGI renditions of what they theorize it looks like. We get whenever it's not a CGI rendition, we get 
crummy images. Yeah. Um, but they still they have a pretty good idea and context as to why they think it's just like us. Um, so th- I don't think Earth is unique no, as we not. think it is right now. And every every year that goes by, we learn how unique Earth is not. A hundred years ago, we probably not. we could be the New York City of the galaxy. No, you term you mean the in terms of pot. you mean in terms of biological diversity? Yes, that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms, but but again, theoretically, if all these planets are just like Earth, why wouldn't they have the same amount of biodiversity that we do? It's just different. Well, yeah, right. That's why because it, it's it's different. So perhaps the ingredients that put that planet together. Yeah, uh-huh. you got your water, you got your ice uh, that obviously produces your water. You, maybe you have a sun locally. Yeah, but Maybe those are the commonalities, and that's where they stop. So then it's like, what infused that planet with life versus what infused us with life? So we're Maybe still a like variable. The Madagascar of our galaxy, of in terms but of you. There's so much life. we don't know. So yeah. like maybe the the variances of life here on this planet is like point zero zero one percent of the the variability that's possible out there. That certainly gives them the incentive to study us. Yeah, well so you've heard sense. the the rumors and theories that, you know, sea creatures and certain sea animals are purely alien species. Oh, like yeah. the there's, octopus or the deep sea uh, creatures that we see. Those are seeded like directly from outer space and we have there, no idea where they came there from. There are respectable scientists who are, have released papers of the last five years saying that, yeah, octopuses don't fit anywhere else on our evolutionary chain. We think there could be some alien origin to this, which is crazy if you say it out loud like that. Sure. But when they release papers saying that while being serious, I think that says something. That gives validity to what you've always said, mm-hmm. how the biodiversity on our planet isn't just from one source that it could have come Bombarded from. Bombarded from multiple sources. From all these Panspermia. different... Yeah. Which... Which makes me think about the fact that we might be the melting pot um, of the galaxy more so than another uh, like planet or another uh, location similar to ours because there's just how many species of life are we talking about on this planet? <laughs> Ten, tens of millions, perhaps. When it, you look at a ba- from the bacteria level to like the yeah, it's uh, it's, it's it's almost unquantifiable, right? Yeah, the problem with that theory, though, is that you don't know what's on other planets. Right. You don't even know what might be on Mars, for example, or... 8.7 million species on this planet of animals and plants. I think we know about so far, without touching the bottom of the ocean and figuring out what the fuck is down there. Yes. So at the very least... Squid. (laughs) So at the very least, in order for another planet to match us, it would have to have water, sunlight, and uh, because that's... we don't know. Well, yeah, in order to have plant life, you have to have sun. We don't know that. So you don't think photosynthesis is an applicable, like, scientific thing? If if you have a red dwarf uh, planet Mm -hmm. and or a red dwarf sun and planets going around it... I don't know that we should assume that life would evolve in the same way or need the same functions. Well, that's true, but certainly for it to look and work like a plant, if it works and looks like a plant here, it would have to mimic it somehow over there. I don't know. Maybe photosynthesis works different for a different type of uh, organism. What I'm saying is that that's a different organism. It's not a plant. Yeah. Well, I think there are. There's 
again, mathematically, there probably are planets that have planets that look a lot like ours. They probably have Venus flytraps that can walk around. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> like, <laughs> that sounds like a horror movie waiting to happen. Oh, like Little Shop little of Horrors. Horror, about yeah. to say. Oh, yeah, there you go. It's okay. a comedy it's, here, but on some other American planet, it's, movie. those assholes can really talk. Who knows? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it sounds like Rick Moranis. <laughs> or that Little Richard. Annoying. Yeah. Hmm? Okay. Global biodiversity. We haven't talked about that one very much. Well, we have. Well, that's because it's going to be diminished. Kill it all. Uh, yeah. I was about to say. Over. Did you guys either of you read? I know Morgan, you're skeptical of it, but did either of you read? You read it. Most of it have how this is like the, the biggest IPPA thing. The yeah. the biggest red flag of this is it. Yeah. It's now or never. This planet's going to be finished. We don't get our shit together. Yeah. This is it. Do you believe that, Morgan? No. You don't think so? No. That is ter- that is what's going to kill. Oh, I that know. is terrifying. I know. That kind of complacency. I I think global warming is an economic issue, not an issue of you the planet a, surviving. You don't think it's a practicality issue? Well, my mom said, <laughs> my mom said, and based on her expertise and friends that she knows, she said that seeing what we're seeing in Canada versus what we've seen in the lower parts of the United States is a big red flag for forest fires in regions that haven't experienced what they've experienced ever, period. Well, we also have more cameras than ever. We have more ways of communicating than ever. You don't know how many forest fires were happening in the year 469. You have no clue what that was happening in those years. I know that human Here, beings weren't causing them. Oh, here's what you do know. Uh, an extremely large civilization, the Mayas, in a tropical area went away forever because of years of drought. Here's what I know. Ten years people, of drought. Ten, wait, that's know. that's incredibly disconcerting. That's probably what we should be paying attention to, because like it, if 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 the biodiversity on our planet. More what I'm saying though is that so what I'm saying though is like they weren't building factories and driving cars and raising cattle. Right. Drought just happened, and okay. you don't know how hot it was. You don't know what the weather patterns were. You really don't have a clue. Right. Okay. Cancer can happen on its own, but it can also happen because of something man-made like smoking. So, I mean, why wouldn't we be like... I was going like, to say, yeah. I was, well, I was going to um, use like a combination of what you guys were saying and say, let's just look at it a very primal, simple, I'm going to try to be simple here. Hop in a minivan with eight other people, get the air conditioning going. One person farts. The whole thing is still <laughs> kind of yeah, affecting like, everyone like there. Better, and so... If we are, but it if doesn't, overpopulation it doesn't is, kill everyone in the van and all life around the van or stop the van from moving, right? Unless that guy just had like a bad it doesn't. case. It's just of, something you got to overcome. That's true. But a fart versus like air quality, I I was trying to, to suggest that if overpopulation is a culprit or overglobalization and hyper industrial revolutionizing whatever you want to call it if they are a culprit then they do play a part a big one if you even have an inkling that the human footprint and the carbon footprint and the effect that human beings are having are overexpansion are our motivations for just globalization in general it's the only cause well the expansion's not going to stop I think that we're going to be having a very different conversation four years from now, much less um, 10. If the coastlines are completely reformed in 10 years and everybody living in Miami, New Orleans, Baltimore, let's say 10 to 15 years, the, and that's just a handful of cities in the U.S. But if you actually see some of these coastal cities flooded, 
like in worst case movie scenarios, then do we come back here and say, um, yeah, this is a big deal. Well, I got news for you. If you started right now, Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do right now in the next four years that would prevent that from happening. That's, not, That's an inevitability. Yes, then, and a, right? a lot of this it's report, an inevitability. Yeah, it's an so inevitability. So it becomes an economic issue to have to overcome, yes. not the planet's going to end. Let me get that clear, at least from my perspective. I don't think it's a an end ELE. Type it's the end of us, not and, the end and of Earth. Sea levels forever have gone up and down. But it's not. It's not really the end of us either, because it just becomes more compacted. It, Here's the thing: we though. go from expansion to contraction, which is somewhat of a natural progression. But do you know what? That's the thing, though. What if 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 the biodiversity in our planet is so diminished, and that we're going to have to live like we said, interstellar, we're eating fucking corn. Yeah, it's it. It's over. I mean, so the idea of it's not the end of us. No, that's what this is. It's like what George Carlin said 30 years ago. If we die, the earth is fine. There's no such thing as the end of the world because the earth can keep on going and change ways it's there always changed. There weren't 3D printers in George Carlin's days, though. If, if you can, Well, <laughs> if the technology comes around to where living well, off you? corn is not completely necessary because you can print all this food and everybody's got a 3D printer. But what I'm saying is that if if we die, yeah. the earth is going to be okay. Oh, yeah. If sure. the earth dies, we're fucked. So sure. this idea of, well, it's not really the end of the world. What does the end of the world mean? If we're talking about the collapse of civilization, that's, that is pretty it's, much the end is, of our world as we know it. Yeah, end of the world's subjective. I mean, you cut somebody's uh, internet cable and <laughs> all of a sudden they have to go without internet for X amount of time. That could be the end of their world. You guys but. don't think that... Um, and it's horrible because, again, I don't want to marginalize anybody. I know people that died of COVID. I know people that almost died of COVID. Isn't it weird that this is happening right now? Yes. And do you can you expect more of things like COVID to happen? Does yes. nature have a way of sorting us out? Compound, compound complex, catastrophic situations are an inevitability for the the species and where it's at right now. Do what, what Morgan said it was interesting where you're not going to stop expansion. What if our population, we're, we're, we are overpopulated. What if our population over the next 10, 20 years goes down significantly because of things like COVID variants? There's going to be something else besides COVID that's going to come out in the next 10 years. Well, it's going to have to be the most deadly virus ever experienced by mankind. It could be over time. Happen. Over the next 20 years, it could be. It's not going to be this thing. It, it won't be. It's not going to be what, COVID. It's not going to be COVID. What is it right now? The the Black Plague? Yeah, the or bubonic plague? The bubonic, bubonic plague? plague was probably was. Uh, I, we're overdue for a bubonic plague. And I'm not saying that enthusiastically. I'm not saying that because I think it should happen. I'm Estimated that because, 75 to 200 million people. Yeah. And in we're, the 14th okay, okay. century. That was in the 14th century. Now, think of that scenario in a population of 7 billion where we're so close together. Right. What was the population? Yeah. The, the population of the million. world back then was probably mm, 1 billion. Know, billion. billion. Okay. So we've seven times that since then. Okay. So think of 7 billion people with that kind of plague and what it would do to our population when we're so congested. Again, the, our... <sighs> I will put my life on the bet, not because I want this to happen, because I feel pretty confident our population is going to go down significantly over the next 25 years. talking about just the U.S. or global? The world. I think so, too. The world. I think so, too. absolute world. And it's going to be a mixture of viruses. And it has to with natural sort of equilibrium. Yeah. If it it goes down, it won't be because of any of that stuff. 
it's going to be because as a society, we stopped having kids when we were 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. We're waiting until we're 30 before we have, which slows down the birth rate. That's the only way that will happen. You don't think there's a larger scale sense of like balancing that the planet, if, if human beings are a culprit to the well, sanctity that, well, and, and security of this planet's progression, the planet has a conscience yeah. and it's going to do this in, in some way, somehow. Okay. So if we're the sperm and the planet is the body, then what's, what's wrong with that interpretation of things? If, if the that's, org- that's not, that's not reality. But it could be. It can't be. We're grains of sand, right? The the human being is. I mean, we we like have sands uh, in the hour. We, well, if that's the case, don't you think it would have done something a long time ago? I we had a. I think we have opportunity. Like when Hitler was going, don't you think he would have just been earthquake the fuck out of Germany? Nah, let me sit back. Maybe it'll be a good thing if the Germans take over. That's those are human That's decisions different. and cho- those are human choices and decisions. It's not a. It's not like a procedural thing over the course of well you're telling me it's going years. to make a decision because of this that it's going to kill us uh, i th- i think it has a sense of balancing things out i don't think that the beyond pl- our capabilities with, with going on sasha's theory i don't think that the planet i don't think he's saying that the planet i think that's would what react. disease might be yeah t- i don't think that sasha's saying that the planet would react because someone's being bad and it wouldn't be harshly either it wouldn't be like a thanos snap of of billions of people gone over the over like the course of two or three nights that that would be weird it would be something i think it would be something that we'd be able to dissect as happening we'd probably be given a chance to stop it like we were given a chance to stop hitler like we were given a chance to stop covid like we've been given a chance to stop going to war like we've been giving these chances over and over and over again we repeatedly fail and this is where mcgill's interpretation of all the sequence of events does ultimately lead to like a precipice point where there are bigger things at stake than our wants, our needs, our selflessness, and our need for expansion as the sperm of this planet, or I'm sorry, the sperm of this uh, solar system slash galaxy. There's bigger things at play than our motivations that or egos come in and say, hey, if you're not on the right track, sorry. I mean, that this is it. We're coming to this point where perhaps there is a grander sense of evolution happening beyond this planet that we could be a part of if we get things right here. But if we don't, it's not like there's a big uh, there's a big gap if the human species isn't involved or if not all of the human species in, is involved in that ascension to the next level of galaxy awareness or whatever is on the horizon. We could, I mean, we're in the year 2021. We're behaving like it's, uh, you guys say this a lot of the time, like we're still Neanderthals walking around with, cool gadgets and at the core our base actions and our base motivations and activity hasn't really changed in millions of years that's not necessarily in sync with what may be going on outside of this planet so maybe we do have a finite amount of time to get on board with a bigger sense of like the cosmos like carl sagan was trying to educate us on for his lifespan or other great scientists slash astronomers have always been trying to do. But as a whole, we just never get on board with it. So maybe we are destined for doom as a whole, but it'd be nice if we didn't have to be maybe not as a whole, maybe like 20%. 
the major what the majority of the human race has decided our future i think and unfortunately the majority of the human race um shows us every day Mm -hmm. like i've said this that there's not a lot of social evolution after junior high um most people are dumb inconsiderate primitive impulsive animals Mm -hmm. there is a notable portion of the human race that is not Mm -hmm. um they're not in control uh and they're not in control of things here as they are going they're not um because i think that part of the population part of them Mm -hmm. are the scientists saying hey we fucked up uh this is this is it such an interesting this is our precipice we we we, this is it we are at the precipice and we got to do something to at least extend our existence i don't want to bring religion into this conversation it's inevitable no no but i'm not even going to bring it from like a uh, argumentative standpoint this conversation that we're having here Put yourself in like the shoes of men and women having it uh, 2,000 years ago or 1,500 years ago. Could you not see how this sort of discussion about the ways of the world and how they're going could lead to some sort of conceptualizing of um, like a rapture-like event or books and, and a code of ethics or morals that should be perhaps um, infused into people to steer us away from the inevitability that has always been forecasted that human beings like are on a bad track for doom and disaster based on observation of the masses and the whole, like some of the stuff Mm. you were just talking about and some of the stuff we discuss here very often is simpatico with like a lesser extreme version of what all of these religions propose, which, which is there's a beginning time, there's an end time and Here's what you can do in between to make sure you're you're well, in line with with the end time. Is is there not a difference though? Because if you're talking about men thousands of years ago who were worried about their tribes being on the wrong track, is there not a difference between their situation when they were worried about their members of their tribes either killing each other or not prospering, and and our reality nowadays, where we're talking about literally the end of our civilization. So you think that? Oh, it's still the same though. That it's, back it's then, classism they, they, now. They it's, thought that yeah. it was they were facing the end of their civilization. We're a more so we got to get our people in order. We're a more polished society on the surface now. We have houses, we have monetary value to our name, which I mean could be argued was a. There were still class. There was a class system back then, but it wasn't as pronounced as it is now. You didn't have, like. In the United States, you really have what, like a one or two percent um, homelessness rate, where people have nowhere to live. If you think that we're we're better off now in 2021 than we were thousands of years ago, absolutely, we sure. Are. But we, you we still have better. your you still have your tribes within tribes that want to ensure the survival of their tribe over any others. I mean, you, your elitist sure. your elitist billionaires, for example, that are flying off of this planet. Why are the people with access to the most data, the most money, the most finances, why are they so intent on flying? Why is Elon Musk and and Jeff Bezos, the two richest men on this planet, or two of the five, why are they so interested in testing all these rockets and human flight off of this planet? It's because they have a sense of what's coming just like we do. We just have less access to the information that they do. Do They know that it's imperative to leave this planet if humanity runs its course for X amount of years. 
but here's the interesting part. I think minds like theirs, minds like the Bezos and the Musk people, they don't necessarily, based on their experience, they they see it very one-dimensionally, and they do think that humanity is in charge of the outcome. I think there's there's a lot of merit to it, evidentially speaking, but there's the unknown that they may not have access to, or or there there's the it might sound corny. There's the magic element that that may come along that says, yeah, humanity can only go so far. But if it gets to this point to where like the planet is at stake, certainly. Then by implication, you're suggesting that they're testing lifeboats. Oh, yeah. Where would they go? That's well, Elon's plan is Mars. Eventually, I think Jeff Bezos just wants to. Well, let's take this back to aliens again and why they would. What if, I mean, think about the way that we're developing travel in space. It's corporation-led, not mm. country-led, not planet-led. Like Ad Astra. So, so perhaps, you know, um, what, what you had happening in the past were companies visiting the Earth to mine gold. So you had their, their version <laughs> of... Right. They're wow. of corporations having a lucrative Morgan's just Morgan just added a couple uh, <laughs> of levels of depth to his theory. The Anunnaki that's, were just a business to get gold from here to go to their planet to make money. That's interesting because it, it goes back to your theory of as above, so below that aliens. Why wouldn't aliens have corporations? That's why right. wouldn't aliens have business interests? Well, because, because they would have evolved, me. but they would have evolved beyond that level of consciousness. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. So maybe some of the malevolent species, but let's stop attaching Anunnaki and malevolent together. Maybe it's just like the malevolent malevolent aliens yeah. did come here to mine resources because they have an interest in the uh, the lucrativeness of those metals that are only available here, and then they ship them back over there, and they only needed X amount. Sure, I mean, these guys That's are plausible. These guys are figuring out how to catch these asteroids as they get close and mine them. And they were cheating on their wives on a business trip with human women, and they fell in love with their affairs. Oh my gosh. I get a kick out of basically the aliens are suggesting basically Lee Iacocca from the fucking eighties, <laughs> <laughs> getting the resources and banging all these women all over the world. That's awesome! Like Jesus <laughs> Christ, man. E.T. was Lee Iacocca the whole fucking time. The lower... Or Al the, Bundy. No, just the lower <laughs> conscious states. Just the ones that are, are hell-bent on, what on finances. What a assholes. Right? Man. Yeah, corporate Those 80s the douchebags. Were, uh, but there's, this, there's a balance to that seesaw. There is. There ha- but that's, that's interesting. There's balance so, in this universe. For a second. It, it's like uh, the aliens that were visiting some of them. What's his name from uh, Wall Street? What was the name that character? No, oh, Gordon Gecko. Alien Gordon geckos yeah. inevitably exist out there. Oh, yeah. That is incredible to me. Now, as above, so below, like, they exist here, right? Yeah. And we've seen, we've seen that. So having some a, E.T. saying greed is good. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, man. That's scary that we can apply with your theory, as above, so below, uh, some of the more unfortunate aspects of human nature to aliens. Well, that's balance at the end of the day. Because we we talk we address the negative aspects so often, but there there is the opposite of all of that. You do have your stories of your Gandhi's, your Jesus Christ's, your Martin Luther Kings, your yeah. your prominent figures throughout history, on a conscious level, or at least theoretically in some cases. And yeah, you have to say that if that existed here, then it exists higher up as well. So then it becomes 
just your your cliche like good versus or not good versus evil, but you could see how these theories fifteen hundred years ago, this style of conversation was being had with access to this much data compared to what we have now. Yeah. It could have steered people in oh, holy shit, we gotta we gotta write all this down. We gotta make sure that people see how bad it can get if all of the malevolent options are taken instead of the good options are taken and you get this whole whirlwind of choice i think that good versus bad all this all the stuff that's really kind of superficial at the end of the day because um it it's having it's it's just this tug of war between choices and my argument is that we've always made the wrong choices as a as a whole as a whole as a society the wrong choices have continuously Give me a good choice we've made as the United States of America in the last 200 years. In regards to what? In anything. Bring us your poor, your huddled masses. I think we have some beautiful ideas that we didn't live through or follow through with, but I think we've had some good ideas. As a whole. What does as a whole mean, though? As a country. Everybody's been on board with. Bring us your... Well, that's not true. Because have a right to... <laughs> look at where we're at now. Have a yeah, right yeah. to carry a gun. Oh, come on. Damn. What I'm that? saying is we, we talk about uh, last week with my mom, we talked about unity and consensus a little bit. What's the last thing we've been consensus on as a country? Like we can we can Football. achieve it. World War Two. World War Two. Yeah, that's yeah, true. We, that so in the face of pure evil. Gulf War. Or, yeah. Huh? The Gulf War. Yeah. Ooh, I don't we know still about the that beginning. Yeah, but as more we won that one. That's the only reason we're so in support of that one. Still, it's very difficult to to yield unanimity with it, people. It, it took something as evil as, as Hitler and the Axis powers right. and the Holocaust. We look back at that and we rightfully are proud of defeating Nazi Germany. So that's where you have to have a respect for like that side of the seesaw that that tug of war that happens because some of the worst evils do bring some of the best goods out of them so yeah it you the world being let's just say human beings are inherently evil and their progression is indicative of that on a planetary level then the other end of that that rope being tugged at where is it coming from or is it just that human beings can run this planet into the ground? Because no, I don't think that they can. There, there's a pull on that rope that says, nah, not so much. And maybe that's what we get to experience. It's unknown what it's going to look like, what it's going to feel like, what it'll actually, what the repercussions will be. But I'm sure we'll be able to, in 50 or 60 years on episode 1458 <laughs> of Meandering, no, that was a It'll be a lot more than that, right? You'll have your metal legs by then from absolutely. the from the tomorrow war. <laughs> it won't be because of old age. It'll be because of the tomorrow war. No, it'll be a personal choice. Oh, because it just looks cool. They just look cool. <laughs> Exoskeleton man. Oh goodness. But but yeah, I do firmly believe that there is um there there's bigger stuff at do play. You, do you think that Gene Rottenberry probably had the most? accurate view of life outside this world when God. it comes to their diversity there's, there's now that you there's, mention it there's a klingon like species out there there's a vulcan like species out there there's yeah. romulans I, I think so yeah it makes me want to rewatch all of star trek anytime you mention like that that sort of uh symmetry in, in the discussions that we have here yeah yeah I, th- I think that they 
they inevitably have to exist out there, right? Those type of right. creatures. So do right. we inevitably have to experience galactic warfare? And the expansiveness, oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's coming, right? Like yes. it, it may not be our lifetime. There's no such thing as any kind of expanse without inevitably butting heads. Right. We're gonna run into the next if we're if the human race is still around in about two, three hundred years. Here's the fun part. I feel like we can get there quicker. What? If we get over our hurdles here. All right, Mr. Shortcut. Tell us how we get there quicker. No, but so galactic warfare inevitable, right? Yeah. Would you rather be in a world where that's happening and we have the technology to like sort of expand and let's let's just put it bluntly, like get rid of some bad aliens instead of the little bullshit Killer that we aliens. go through here. You're talking about us finding unity through uh, an alien threat? I'm saying we move on from the human like drama and the the setbacks and the the cyclical um conflicts that we've been experiencing here. We get over them somehow, some way, or we just move on from them on a on a conscious level maybe or maybe it's from help from uh maybe some good aliens need <laughs> need some of us to match them. I don't know. Yeah, I think they, that they you like were on French foreign legion. Yeah, right. There you go. Oh, and wow. they're like, Hey, aliens. we do need, we do hey, need come fight with us. We do need 1% of the there's human like, population. There's, there's a couple, uh, there's a couple eighties aliens movies where that happened. Hey, well, you want to come fight with us? That's uh, yeah, no, I think you were, <laughs> you were originally on track when you were going to come close to, um, yeah, there we go. You were originally on track when you started to almost quote Reagan. Remember us old guys. Remember this? Uh, Reagan says, uh, I often think about how our differences would be gone if we faced an alien threat outside of this world. Sure. When he said that, everyone freaked out because people were just like, oh, my God, he's admitting that aliens exist. No, he was talking about communism. Um, yeah. But, but that what he said is true. I think that just Ooh. like Watchmen talked about. Remember what they found unity through antagonizing Dr. Manhattan? Sure. That's what that's about. So – that is the track to what you're talking about when it, it comes is. to finding unity through a common enemy. Yes, but the problem with that is that you have, in my best estimation, and I'll just use the U.S. here, 79% of this country would not be of value to a confrontation like that. What do you mean? Um, I think that if we were faced with a malevolent alien threat that we had to defend ourselves against, 79% mm -hmm. of this country would be inferior to putting up any semblance of, like, we wouldn't want them on our team. Would you want idiocracy on your side right now if aliens invaded us in the next two years? Well, I, I don't get what you're I need uh, grunt warriors to that are mindless. No, 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 I'm confused. Can, uh, I'm sorry. I, I don't. I don't I, think that's what alien warfare looks like. It could be completely okay. psychological. Okay. I don't get what you're saying, Sasha. I, I okay. guess I missed your analogy. So I, I'll try. I, then they're the perfect. They're perfect in psychological warfare. Right. They are the perfect sheep. They're the perfect um, crash test dummies slash guinea pigs. Who? I'm confused by your analogy. Okay. What you're saying again? Um. In order to saying. no, I do. I'm just trying to formulate okay, so it let, in let's a presentable say that, fashion. Are, are you saying that if if an alien, like Independence Day, if, yes. if, if, if a vicious, malevolent alien species came down to Earth? That our approach to war as it has been throughout the course of human history would not work, period. 
against an advanced war designed malevolent race of aliens. So it's, it doesn't work out like the movies where Bill Pullman hops on a stealth bomber and says, hey, let's do it so like we did it. In, you're, you're saying that 79% of the population would not be on board with joining not, the rest of no, humanity not to fight the aliens? is not prepared for that sort of confrontation. I'm saying they could instantly be – Tuck their tail between no, their legs? They could, they could die of shock. I don't know if they no. would die of shock. I, I think I might be afraid Is of McDonald's still open in this scenario. <laughs> right. There's that aspect too. It's like, I don't care. It's not my fight. Exactly. That is interesting to me. I never thought about that. Well, look at COVID. <laughs> Just look at COVID. That's yeah, different. Well, let's say, okay. What if COVID was shot from an alien spaceship that was orbiting this planet? Hypothetically, completely. That's and, a- and let's just say three years ago, an alien ship orbiting this planet like with a giant freaking deposit weapon deposits COVID in the Ural mountains and says, this is how it's going to look at the end result. Did, did, did we put up a fight? Did we, are people on board? Are they unified against COVID? Because there's, there's no finger pointing involved or confusion in that situation because you have a very specific entity that we can all gather around and hate. Like we did with the allies and access powers uh, in world war two. Like, you're, it, it's something so tangible. The problem is that with COVID, we couldn't do that because you basically had people trying to blame China in a legit way and others trying to blame them in a racist way. You had others trying to blame Dr. Fauci. You had but, others trying to blame Trump. It, it, there, there was so much diverse finger pointing going on as to who we should blame when the COVID outbreak took place. It's different from well, aliens. This is a very, well, this is a very scary precursor then. Because it not only opens the door to species outside of this planet, knowing every single one of our weaknesses at this point, oh, they based on this, do. but also in the world of terrorism in general. Like, you've had a quiet lull of terroristic activities, I would say, uh, at least um, on, well, there's never been, other than 9-11, there's never been a, well, yeah, Pearl Harbor, I guess you could consider. Okay. But there's been a quiet sort of period of time where we haven't really had to deal with the in-your-face terroristic threat as it pertains to the Western world. But now, all of a sudden, all of these, hey, these people are fighting each other over here basically, off masks, off, uh, off of this natural – there's so much data available to people who wish harm upon us now to take advantage of it and to go back to aliens like – they would already know all of this, which is why, con- like, just historically, based on off of precedent, I wouldn't want 80% of this country on my side based on what they have shown me they do in conflict situations. Again, I think it's, it would be theoretically different if it was a more tangible enemy that we could all um, point to, um, if it was aliens. Having said that, though, It's very interesting to me because look at the difference in the situations. If you had an alien species that followed uh, us and everything that happened, you're right. They have the data. They they know by observing us how they could fuck us. It's different from when you're a different country or when you're a terrorist. Because if you want to unleash a bioweapon on your enemy like the U.S., COVID has shown that it's not very practical or pragmatic to try to just contain it to the U.S. You're inevitably going to get fucked. 
Yeah. It's very different from an alien species that is outside our box or outside right. our biodome that can <laughs> drop something off and blitz. When you're sharing this planet with your enemy, like a terrorist does, there's a trail. There's a trail, and there is a, a backlash, a biological one that you face that an alien doesn't. Because like an alien can drop something off and take off and just fly away. A terrorist can basically catch it inevitably, too. If anything, the data that you're talking about shows how dangerous and stupid biological warfare can be. Even if you, for a tenth of a second, consider that the Wuhan lab theory is correct, right. that it was something that was um, at least put together. If not put together and completely man-made, then biologically studied and was accidentally let out, mm -hmm. which is probably more practical. Um, it, again, it all, all the data shows, all of it, that it's, it's biological warfare is the, probably the least pragmatic and practical kind of warfare that somebody can implement. It's the dumbest because – the last two years show that it's, it's nothing we can control. Nothing. So Yeah, and also that it would cripple world economies. It well. would. Like no. you'd you'd be fucked mm -hmm. if if we tried to like <laughs> even if it was North Korea. If it was North sure. Korea and we tried to uh, like launch uh, biological warfare on Kim Jong un, it would come back to us in like a week. Some asshole. Right. <laughs> some asshole who visited <laughs> South Korea and ran across the border on a dare and came back. Yeah, would fly back to San Francisco and give it to half the fucking population. Or Dennis Rodman would just. Or Dennis Rodman would go, you know, lick his ass and come back and give yeah. it to everybody. So no, it's this is that's the good thing. Maybe maybe that's the good thing is that it it showed the world that biological warfare is is insensible. That, absolutely insensible. Now people will say, well, Miguel, that's dumb. It, uh, we saw the what happened to Hiroshima, and we still haven't gotten away from nuclear weapons. It's different. Um, what's different about that what's different is that somehow as horrible and scary as it sounds biological warfare is even more messy than something as horrible as an atomic bomb because it's the, cleaner yeah it's, it's you crazy mean, yeah. yeah because we can we the can, variability it's predictable a nuclear bomb it is, is going if, to if we impact, drop a yeah. nuke on washington dc we, we have a radius of effect we know where the um fallout the fallout mm -hmm. is going to go as horrible as that is, we know that it, it's something that we can find that's attainable. But we've always known what a what a plague looks like. Now, we, but what a disease spread looks like. We think we do. Not, not in modern times. Yeah, in modern times, it's hard to do it. We have we have the the Spanish flu. We have Spanish flu. We have the flu. Right. Well, but the it's problem different. with Spanish flu is there's not like normal normal everyday people aren't jumping on planes and going to different countries. The world is so much smaller now. And if there was not a world war going on, it might be argued that it wouldn't have been nearly as big a deal that the world war happening at the time and the movement of people on the planet you know, made it worse. Yeah, the yeah. variables are different. So that's – I'm surprised we're – maybe more people talk about this because we put it out there in the universe, as you say. But why, why aren't more people talking about the fact that this should have turned off any country that thinks that biological warfare is even a practical, I think you, pragmatic I think idea. you just put it out there, and I think it will be talked about now. Well, unless so. you have the antidote, so to speak. Yeah, and then you I'll... Can somehow inoculate your yeah. own people. But the problem is that the variables that will inevitably arise will make your antidote right. fuck all. Like, yeah. if you're going to make a biological weapon that is... But under that theory, then why the vaccines are no, because sorry. we're not talking about something that that I can make in a lab that I know is going to kill you overnight. We're talking about a COVID variant that we're keeping track of. It's different because think about you're it. You're saying there. So you're saying you're suggesting that there could be 
a level of unpredictability in the variance of something like COVID. But what we go by is what we know now, and I'm going to keep my ass out of the hospital for now. That's my theory. Okay. But if I was Russia or North Korea and I wanted to make a weapon that was used for war, it would have to be at a much higher death rate than COVID. And like Morgan said, I would have a, um, a type of antidote that theoretically, if I knew so much about this virus, I could then try to control the variables. But that would be insane. Yeah, because you, you you can't. So I wish there. Uh, I wish my mom was here for this question, but I'll pose it to you guys anyways. It's it's a genetic based question. The DNA composition of people based on regionality uh, does it is is there a is there is there a different genetic composition between like. Uh, the Russian population and the American what, population. What do you think happened to the Native Americans? Of course, there is. They, they, they were well. What I'm suggesting. So what I'm suggesting. Probably is, less now than it's ever been before. Yeah. So you think we're a lot more alike genetically um, as a human species? Absolutely. Based on, yeah. Okay. Because when okay. I look at the and if you and that might be an advantage a place like America has as being a melting pot versus China that might not be a melting you're pot. Right. But then you look at how COVID impacted China versus how it impacted us here. So I guess what I'm suggesting is, what if, um, what if there could be a bio, a biological weapon designed that, um, a f- virally uh, based that could affect certain genetic sure. makeup versus another one. There's a sci-fi book in the future plausible. where uh, there is a. Uh, I don't want to give too much away because it's um, okay. actually something somebody's writing. Well, look at, look, well they're look targeting at a certain race. Look at what COVID. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is what happens. Extrapolate a little and say, what if, what if it's targeting a certain ethnicity? Uh, no, health level. So that's to say it I, is. I know well, it was. Yeah. Remember, it was the obese and the elderly at first was getting their asses kicked. Well, by this. still, it still is, but. With with the later variants like we're seeing with the damn Delta, it's, it's, it's starting. It's, it's but it's, that goes in line with my theory, and I'm sticking to this one, that COVID is uh, you can be reinfected multiple times with COVID. <laughs> I don't know why that isn't a, sto- a bigger story than it is. I know someone who was reinfected, but they're okay now. Right. Um, they well, didn't. You might argue that it never left. Yes, right. and it might have gone dormant. Yeah, but it never left. Right. That and then the next time that it activates. My theory says that it's progressively worse. But that goes against nature. Well, then then it's not a natural thing. Not purely well, natural. It, it is natural because it's out in the world and it's a living organism right now. So it, it won't revert. I guess what I'm suggesting is that there could be in the year 2021 a designer virus that is attached to us. If you get it once, it's attached to you, and then it sort of is like a um, a guaranteed reoccurring cold. So even if you don't go out and catch a cold, if if you've gotten this cold one time, you get it again. You get it again. You get it again. And it's called herpes. Oh, it's it's funny <laughs> that we open this episode with herpes. Well, it would have to be 
you know, well, sex, look at herpes. It'd have to be herpes light. <laughs> it never goes right. away. So you don't think that there's uh, but a herpes stat. isn't like a mass killer either. Oh. But but that doesn't mean that you can't derive the way that herpes works. You can't take the sequencing of how that virus works because it is a virus and how it spreads, and you can't insert its transmissibility elements into another virus if that's what you're doing like if that's what the labs out there that aren't necessarily looking at the most um optimal uh virus meddling with because there are some we can admit that there's probably some shady shit going on in level four level five pathogen labs oh, out yeah, there there's we would be naive to think that there are it's silly to, viruses it's silly there. to think that there wouldn't be so they look at all of these other viruses and how they work like the opening of outbreak is actually pretty important well, it's brilliant. in the context of this they take you through a, a swooping in shot of like the level one and then you see all the viruses that are legitimately level one viruses and then you go through the level two doors and they show you all those three, four, five, et cetera, et cetera. If you're trying to design something like the baddest of the bad, you take the pieces of, you Frankenstein it, essentially. You you take the pieces that work in other viruses, and I don't know why anybody, why we, we probably do this reverse. I would hope we do it in like trying to fight cancer and stuff like that. And we, we do. We take, they we use the AIDS virus to teach your uh, immune system to, to combat fight it, right? Cancer, yes. But the opposite of that pendulum swing is that there are places that are probably doing the opposite, and well, they're saying, "Oh, what a, if a virus spreads yeah, and activates like herpes, except it gives you a cold?" Well, probably because anybody who's gone through all that education and is in the medical industry, you've probably got this code of ethics that would go that'd be counterproductive to producing something that just kills a bunch of people. Unless it, it the intention was it for like not to to make it out, but um it could have yeah it's it's like when are we going to stamp and seal something firmly about how this thing came about? Nothing Never. in the next couple of years, at least. Never. I mean, there's no, there's no cameras, there's no videotapes, there's no conversations of uh, controlled of, by inside the, of these science controlled labs. by China. So what do we have to go to war with China in order to get? And to, then they would, then they would no. destroy everything. No, we, we, it has nothing to do with going to war with China. It's dependent on whistleblowers and leakers that tried. I mean, we already had one that tried to warn about it and he died. Um, so no, th- what would have to happen is. You'd have to have a leaker or a whistleblower in China with an awesome Intel. evidence. Yeah, literally evidence. a video evidence. Yeah, it's got to be and evidence. Fucking, literally a video because emails can be fake. It'd have to be something really mm, tangible. Uh, well, yeah, videos can be too, but it'd have to be something very tangible for this whistleblower leaker to come out and say, here's a proof. Here's a briefcase with him putting the virus vials in there and bringing it to the wet market and smashing it with his boot. Something like that. <laughs> it have to be something thematic like a movie. Right. And, and the chances of that happening are very slim. But I the think. results are somewhat movie-like up to this What are point. the results? What's the eventuality of that that came out? What do you think? Um, no, the What I'm saying is the results of the virus are somewhat um, movie-like at this point. The pandemic, the way that it... it the way that it started, the way that uh, societies have reacted in different 
the the way that the governments of the world have reacted to it, the way that yeah. it shut everything down, it's kind of it is unprecedented. Morgan hates that word, but it is unprecedented in a modern era to like we don't even have a good grasp of it yet because we're still in it. Yeah. But in hindsight, this is going to seem like like um a very bad dream in many ways. Um when we look back at this three to ten year period of time and, and the like we don't even know the psychological effect that it's had on what we could be doing instead if COVID hadn't come along. You know? Well yeah, I say it's- it, it derailed it derailed destinies in many ways. Like uh, it, it derailed, it 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 might have shifted us in a direction, a different direction. It could be a good one, but it certainly thwarted some paths that people play. People in if there was ever a paradigm, if there was ever a paradigm shift, we're mm-hmm. living in it now. Yes, for better or for worse. I I agree with that. And it's hard to sense that in the moment. No, I always said that situations like this are analogous to a fog. When you're walking through it, it doesn't seem like it's like, you know, in front of you. And when you step back and you can see the whole fog as a whole, yeah. like a cloud, it's the same thing. Right now, yeah. it's whenever we have the context of history of being able to look back 10 years, we'll see it as a whole. Just like you're saying, we'll get a better idea of what happened exactly and the psychological effects of it. You can't see the shitstorm for what it really is when you're in the middle of it. It's fascinating because the um, the constructive argument that I have with that idea and that analogy is that you can get out of the fog quicker if you if your awareness of of being in the fog is heightened and you just seek like an escape from the fog. How practical is that in a population of uh, 300, 400 million people in the U.S. who doesn't have to be all of them to get out of the fog? Right, but if enough of them are acting like the fog isn't shit, yeah, what do you do? Because right well, now, they're in the fog. It, that that's what I'm suggesting is like the the selflessness that we're seeing, the arrogance of either side of the citizenry in this country, the trivialities that are being argued with at the argued over at this point. The bigger picture doesn't care about any of this. So those people that are having these daily Groundhog Day-like moments where they regurgitate and recycle these same arguments, these same very just elementary back and forth about the same things, they're stuck in the fog. They are on a path to where this, this virus, one way or another, affects them significantly. And sustains, it has already psychologically. It's it's crippled them. They're they're part of this this downward regression of not advancing forward with their view of it. Are you missing the fact that they are holding everyone else back in the process? But how are they not? Because it's a it's it's weirdly it's like a grieving thing it, it's like back to the five state the the stages of grief the uh the scale that we were talking about where it starts with denial then it goes to uh anger then it goes to inevitably acceptance is what you're uh, saying. inevitably acceptance I don't know some of us have accepted the reality that we were in a fog at one point when it comes to the information and the situation and what was going on but we've been able to 
somewhat get out of that fog. And now we're observing everyone else that's still in that fog. And that's why my approach to COVID, I'm very confident in. That's part of the reason why I don't feel as if I need to go get vaccinated is because there is a certain level of removal from the clump of shit that is going on in this country that I'm just, I feel I am removed from. How do you, how are you removed from something biologically because you are ideologically removed from it? It doesn't work that way though. I'm glad you, I feel confident that you see COVID for what it is, how dumb the population has been for what it is. But the idea that this shit, because of how smart you are and how observant you've been and you know the situation for what it is, the idea that this thing can't find you biologically, mm-hmm. that's what's stunning to me is that you, you think that. You said, well, I'm removed from the, the shit mill, the, mm-hmm. the population that has a naivete towards the situation. Fair enough. But the idea that you think that the virus can't find you because of that is, is scary to me. Well, I mean, you're careful. You wear a mask. Mm-hmm. So what? You don't think you, that- you remember when I threw a weird one out there like a year and a half ago? I said, what if the virus is conscious itself? Remember I said that, that little blurb? I don't know. All your talk runs together. <laughs> Jeez. The, I, uh, so you're, uh, let me get let me. I think maybe are, are you suggesting? That I'm because- suggesting that the virus thrives with people who aren't necessarily suited to. Match it intelligently. You are suggesting. I I believe it is an intelligent virus. You're suggesting that your mental mojo is going to cock block this virus from getting to you. I'm suggesting that there are certain psychological weaknesses, much like there are underlying conditions, aren't relegated to poor physical health. Meaning, um, if you had high cholesterol, or if you had asthma, or if you were 400 pounds, you were more susceptible to COVID. Of course. 100%. But it doesn't end neck down. You're saying that there is a... Neurological neurological weaknesses are... Yes. You know what that's called? You know what the neurological weakness is? Mm. Not getting the vaccine. That's... (laughs) I was going to go with... I was going to go with selfish, arrogant behavior. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) <laughs> and if I'm not selfish or arrogant, then Which you are <laughs> maybe not selfish, but you're extremely arrogant. I don't see it. Okay. <laughs> so Sasha's saying I'll have I'm, to I'll have to replay I'm, this this bit. I am so <laughs> zen. I am so mentally zen that this virus cannot touch me. I'm not worried. What I this mean, isn't virus? there a star isn't there a Star Trek episode that where some race says that? No. Yeah, it's I'm one not of the saying, instances I'm not killed. saying that. I I'm also I'm also the guy who says he's I think I've gotten it. But you don't you won't do what I asked, which is get the uh antibody test. If you don't want to get the vaccine, I would you really wouldn't like do, for you. you wouldn't do what you said you would you would do, which What's, is get Maggie to tell me where to go and then she'll oh, tell me we'll where take and I'll you. go. We'll take God you tomorrow, forbid you use a computer in Google. We will drive. I don't want God Google did. to you know see that I'm inquiring about that. You know, it already knows it. it's listening to you. Alexa's in the damn room right now. You're on a podcast, bro. <laughs> There's an NSA data bank with all of our conversations. There's a Fed right at now. the table. Yeah. <laughs> 
motherfucker, okay, I'm going to hold your word. Me and Maggie are going to pick your ass up tomorrow, yeah. and we're going to take you to get the goddamn antibody Well, the test. cool thing is uh, I'm going to Europe at the end of September. You think you are? Well, if I've got my tickets. Okay. So yeah, the if, only thing that change is... What, what if the EU says, eh, you got to get vaccinated to get on the plane? You can't come into our country, motherfucker. Well, buy travel insurance? Well, Scandinavia, no, I did not buy travel insurance. <gasps> I might want to. What if they... You know, my dad said the same thing. What if they For, I wonder shut why. down airports and stuff? I have uh, 72 hours of re... Uh, up to 72 hours before the flight, I can rebook it you for need... a later date. Okay, that's something, but I would still put travel insurance on. Uh, are you going to be really that surprised if European countries or the EU basically implements a Scandinavia specifically. Oh, so I'm of flying, fucking them of all people? Well, no, I'm flying nonstop from the U.S. to there, so I don't have to go through any um, hub countries or anything. So my only worry is the, the destination country, yes. which has been one of the more relaxed countries when it comes to COVID restrictions. What if, are, are you going to be so surprised if by the first week of September, they're like, you can't come into this country unless you're vaccinated? Would you be that surprised? Yes, because what they're experiencing now in the destination country is not uh, as you keep in mind. Europe, for the most part, is getting out of the Delta variant. We're in a different phase of the Delta variant. Fair enough, but there's also uh, that love. Keep the Sigma that. variant, whatever the hell the next I one keep is. Saying like Epsilon variant, Lombardi, Lam- Lambda, Lambda. Thank you. The Lambda variant sure. is is. Is rising there as well. Yeah, the nerd variant. Something. Why? <laughs> Why is it the nerd variant? Oh, I'm sorry. oh Revenge, Revenge of the Nerds. Of the nerds. Oh, yeah. Okay. Lambda, Lambda. I actually get that reference because I've seen the oh, movie. Good. good. <laughs> yeah, there's an, is that an American movie? It is. Wow. Okay. I just making sure they're all American <laughs> movies. The nerds? Come on. I was making sure that wasn't no, a Canadian movie. Let's light. Greatness. Let's lighten the mood a little bit in in uh, our final half hour here. Um, there are certain movies that garner strictly like the born in America, raised in America cult following. Would you... I w- Wizard of Oz. E.T. Mm, I wasn't going to go E.T. I thought E.T. Yeah, was yeah. universal. It literally cool, is made cool. by now, I'm asking you, yeah. No. What do you... Th- okay, so Independence Day. No. Is that universal now? No. Yes, it is. Damn, I'm trying to think. What is you can go off box office numbers probably with this and say, oh, this movie made 500 million in America and like 10 million in the rest of the country. Field of Dreams or the rest of the countries. Well, that's a that's a hard one. That's a sentimental one because like baseball is not as big in Canada as it is here in the U.S. So I would assume that's that's an example of Americana. I'm not really talking about like that type of movie, especially since they lost the Expos. (sighs) Morgan has to get a jab in. (laughs) Glad. Oh, there it is. I yeah. think it's like an anniversary of losing the Expos. Wow. Yeah, the last season. Every year's an anniversary. Montreal, it was. It was the like Expos. the work stoppage of '96 or something. Whatever. So A lot of the fantasy movies from the '80s, I feel, are like that. Um, the the ones that the kids. The American-born kids grew up on in the '80s and have carried it with them in adulthood. But American, the immig- but the immigrant kids don't necessarily. American graffiti. Yeah, yeah literally, there you go. It's in that's the damn name. I'll yeah, even that, a yeah. TV show like Happy Days, for example, that's strictly like you have to have been born here to really jive with Happy Days. I love Lucy. Yeah, well, I think you'd be surprised at international interest in those. interest. Yes, but actual like 
jiving with and carrying it with. Why couldn't they do that? Because that's not the America they know. Yeah, some things just don't strike chords with with other. It's just not the America they know. Like David Hasselhoff, who the hell would have thought he would have had a German following like he did? The America that we experience is is different based on like your your life here. It, it's quite different. I can't. There are things I can't jive with. It's not like in a non not in a like repressed or oppressed sense or anything like that. Just in a timing sense, in the fact that I didn't grow up here. I didn't have a childhood here. I spent my teen years here. That was it. Age well. Age ten and up. So the bulk of my life was teen years here. I didn't have a childhood in America. I'm fascinated to talk to someone like you who didn't have their childhood in America. And so I'm I'm always surprised by what isn't universal and what was. For instance, Andy Griffin. I thought I didn't think for a second that Canadians didn't fucking know who Andy Griffin was. Or about I but I love Lucy. Did well, I bring I mean, that? Sure. Oh, yeah, I I know what I love, and there's. There's good comedy there. And I'm sure there's good Herbal. comedy in Andy Grove. Oh, Family course. Matters. Yeah. TGI. Oh, I was 10 when TGIF was. Yeah. Okay, then you did say I, I grew up with TGIF, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They had that over there, eh? Step by Step was better than Family Matters. The fuck it was? You freak? Step by Step was better than Family Matters. <laughs> it was not better than. You're out of your fucking mind if you think that was better than Urkel. Step by Step had like two seasons. No. Felt like it. I had like three or four. And it had the cool um, the guy's name was Sasha. Sasha Mitchell. Uncle uh, Cody. Remember oh, him? that guy. Yeah, that guy. He was like the he dollar store a, Keanu Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fun show. What was after TGI or what was after um Step by Step? There were Perfect two, Strangers. No, no, there were two other shows in the TGIF lineup. There Perfect was Strangers was earlier. Before. Yeah, it was really? like late 80s, I just right? remember it being in the, to be a part of TGIF. Because I remember Urkel. Uh was the first show. See, here's and the problem. Now you step. Google TGIF, you get fucking restaurant. Yeah. yeah disgusting. For, for me in the 80s, it was, man, NBC had a hell of a lineup. Cosby Show, uh, Family Ties, Cheers, and Night Court. Just all back I to back to back. So would watch Night Court. So it's Family Matters, Step by Step, Dinosaurs. Uh, I remember Dinosaurs. Oh, yes. Dinosaurs that was one. awesome. Enjoyed that one. And then sure. the last block, 930 block boy i never even want i guess i went to bed um oh yeah it was sister sister and hanging uh, i remember Gilbert. that shit too though. that was later it's but funny. no man like they all, started with an african-american show and they ended with an african-american but all the show. best black shows were killing it in the 90s they were different world real uh fresh prince family matters 227 yeah um living single the jeffersons it was 70 no, living 70. color living in color, living color. Like all these great Living black color shows. Wasn't a black show. That was the Wayans, I would, man. I would, it was, yeah. The, well, I mean, you only the show have, creators. You're right, you but the comedy. One, one white guy. Had two, one cast, white guy, or? one white girl. <laughs> the girl, you're right. white girl. Yeah, you win that argument. But like, only the clown. Oh, that's, that's, that's the shit. I mean. <laughs> I always looked at it in Living Color as like Fire Marshal Bill was yes. greatness too. I always looked at them though as like just a, a more really R-rated a Saturday Night Live. Yeah, it's not sitcom. Yeah, but like all the great black shows were killing in the early '90s and the late '90s, they just disappeared and went to UPN, and then UPN died. Well, I mean TGIF here in the early 2000s changed from all that to game shows and then like reality, reality. TV, yeah, which is disgusting. Reality TV. The yeah, current TGIF lineup, they still have a TGIF lineup. Oh, they do, really? Yeah, it's uh, ABC Friday Night, American Housewife, 
at eight o'clock. Don't know what that Fresh is. off the boat at eight thirty. Think that's the Asian show. And then twenty twenty for the next two hours. <laughs> that's it. Two hour twenty twenty. Two hour twenty twenty. Holy shit! I didn't know that. Uh, and Shark Tank is in the fall lineup. So Man, I love when when early nineties Fox was just like fun weirdo shit. X-Files Millennium? X-Files Millennium, and they ended it with a great show, probably the greatest paranormal show of all time, called Sightings. Do you guys remember that shit? Oh, You've mentioned this on the show before. God, yeah. I want to go back to just, I want to go back and just sit You said if you room. can find a DVD of Sightings. Oh, dude, I'll give you a couple hundred dollars right now if you can find Sightings on DVD. Don't tempt me. I found his mentalist copies within <laughs> two or three the weeks. The fuck is the mentalist? I was, uh... What? It's a TV show in like the mid-aughts to the mid- well, what was the hook of that show? What was the catch? Every show like that um, has a well, hook. Well, it's a like a, so the main character is like a a guy who well, he's a mentalist, right? So he just recognizes you know behavior and body movements. He pretended to be a psychic for a very long time to make a living, mm-hmm. and then he's on like a talk show and he he's um, you know talking about what this serial killer. Uh, what his personality is like or whatever. And the serial killer kills his family. Oh, shit. So then he, beca- so then he starts to try to get into uh, law enforcement so that he can track down the serial killer. Mm. So over the seven seasons, the underlying theme is, is him uh, chasing that serial killer. Seven seasons. I didn't even know this show. I mean, I kind of remember it existed. Was that on NBC? Uh, I think it was a CBS show. Maybe. The yeah, I, it was CBS. I remember this shit. The Pretender was like MacGyver on another level, wasn't it? Uh, something like that. The Pretender's more about... It's actually somewhat similar to The Mentalist. Um, This guy. But, how, dude, it's an amalgamation of shows. Sorry. I'll get long-winded with it. Not too bad. <laughs> so, uh, CIA-like product as a kid who was watched and observed by the U.S. government escapes the facility of which he was spent like his first 20 years uh in but while he was there he learned how to basically be a chameleon in the real world and uh take on all of these different jobs and careers and he had the skill set to really be whatever he wanted to be at any given moment in time so he goes like from episode to episode he's a different uh profession he's like, like a, a pilot. pilot then he's a uh, paramedic then he's a lawyer and he's helping people throughout each episode, and he's got some little bit of MacGyver to him because he can get out of sticky situations. But it's based on his uh, aptitude, not his like resourcefulness with uh, popsicle sticks. Oh, <laughs> whatever else, MacGyver. Sorry, I love Richard Dean Anderson. I love MacGyver as well. But uh, some of the stuff MacGyver pulled out of his ass, and I tried to recreate it. I'm like, no. Nah. <laughs> No, <laughs> I was like, like, I really can't defuse this bomb with toothpaste. This was a fucking lie. I loved MacGyver growing up as a kid. I never watched MacGyver growing up. I watched my shows as, as from the early '90s was was always very crime oriented. Like my favorite cop show of all time when I was a kid was New York Undercover. Oh, it was a good show. Uh, you guys remember that shit with Malik Yoba? Yeah, or, man. No, no one even knows what the fuck that is. Yeah, I still, man. I still have the theme song on my phone. I liked Homicide, Life on the Street. Loved Homicide. The first time we saw Munch, who was on Law and Order after that. Homicide Life on the Street, I think, bred shows like The Wire. It was sort of the it was dark. The first, yeah. Homicide was the darkest was show on dark. NBC. I like uh, 
Andre Brower Brower was the character. Andre Brower was like the main guy with Bayless, and then there was the great, what's his name? The old uh, white man with the dark glasses? No, I'm thinking of the black guy that also came on. um, Mm. Oh. Gio Deller. What was Gio Deller's actor's name who played him? He also came Uh, on um, Running Man. uh, It's not Yafet Kato. It is Yafet Kato. Is it Yafet Kato? Yeah, that's it. Damn it. Good good. good call, man. You say I'm the best with names. Come on. I used to suck at names. I've gotten... Yeah. <sighs> so, um, now, from there, I'm going to segue to epiphany moment. It's not really an epiphany. But I, I do want to disclose more of my, like, uh, treasured concepts and treasured, like, theories as the show progresses. And this is, we haven't titled, not titled, we haven't numbered this episode. I haven't said it. It's the 74th episode. 74 episodes, Miguel. I believe in the power of conversations more and more as I have them. I believe that in combination with what I suggested to my mom on the 73rd episode, um, meaning if you're an expert in one field, you can take the general outline of what you've learned in that field and you can apply it to several other fields and you could probably be very good. It kind of works in the world of athletics in, in some ways. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, if it you, doesn't. Yes, it does. If, <laughs> well, listen, uh, listen just to this little okay. explanation as to why Let's it does. It, okay. If you're really good at running, mm-hmm. you can do a lot of different things. That's not true. In the athletic world. But, but no one in the athletic world does that because you can't. What do you mean? Bo Jackson, for example, is not your normal guy who can excel at the professional level at, you know, multiple sports, right? You can't take the average or you can't take the all-star football player and make him an all-star baseball player. It doesn't happen that way. I guess it didn't work out for Michael Jordan. Oh, it didn't. But if you, if you reel it back, like one dial, one notch from that and you, because professional sports is like the peak of, well, I can argue that any Joe off the street can go play minor league baseball. You've said it yourself that you're kind of generally good at a, a, bunch, a bunch of different, of different sports. Things. Okay. That's all I'm suggesting. So I, all that means is I can be comp- somewhat competitive at most of the things. And if you have I might time. be able to have a, a, a decent conversation about certain topics, but because I'm an expert in one thing does not mean I can have expert stuff in another uh, genre. What if you have the, time to dedicate like to researching hours? that yeah but a thousand hours doing not a thousand hours of research a thousand hours of doing of actually applying okay here's where my theory kicks in on conversation hmm. if you reach that precipice point of like being an expert in a field of conversation or a topic a range of topics and you really have a good understanding of um and a solid base for just talking about that thing in particular, whether it's politics, whether it's theorizing, whether it's uh, even conspiracy theories, just throw a bunch of stuff. If you're a good conversationalist on conspiracy theories, eventually what you'll see your conversations turn into is they'll be applicable to scenarios and situations that can use like the same approach beneficially. So let me simplify it even more because that that was a a more traditional Sasha and I'm trying to change. (laughs) Simple Sasha says, 
there are layers of conversations that we don't uh, of the details within the conversations that we have that we don't yet know are applicable to scenarios that we will be presented with where we will be able to look in hindsight at things that we've already said pull from them and apply the knowledge that we've already formulated up to this point yeah that's a, that's a to to, thing, to things that will will occur in the future yeah i mean that's that's um, if we you're talking are about aware of that. referential communication wow there's, i didn't even know there was a term for it well i uh, that's awesome i don't think there's an official term but i think that's part <laughs> of something that i actually have talked about with a with a People. Referential communication Is that a thing? skills involve the ability to provide and understand specific information. Typical, typical skills include giving and following directions, asking questions, and making explanations. In this context, you're talking about how our conversations get so deep and we have them over time. Sharpens our ability to make it applicable to future things. Yes. I understand exactly what you're saying. Well, because I, th- I believe there's a hierarchy of communication and that if you sort of focus on improvement, I- improvement yeah. in that realm, then everything that falls under whatever plateau or whatever status um, – I'm sorry, that's not the right way of putting it because then it can be flipped into like a, a, a sort of elitist, classist-style <laughs> breakdown. Even the word hierarchy can't be. But what I'm suggesting is yeah, – I see. There are lower level topics, there's middle level topics, there's upper level topics. And if you get a good grasp of upper level topics, it's like a trickle down effect. You can conquer the lower level discussion points pretty quickly when and if they arise in the future. And if human beings as a mass are propelling the issues and the situations that we're going to have to discuss in the next year, two, three, five, ten. It's not always the intellectual human beings who are like providing the um, discussion points that we dissect on this show and and the sort of the sorts of things that we uh, yeah. tackle. So it gets very expedient, very easy to uh, not only be commentators and predictors of this behavior, but it gets easy to even get ahead of the predictability of it and say, "Here's how you can maybe prevent it from Isn't occurring." It interesting what you're talking about also isn't it interesting to see how that's going to play out when it comes to the population within the u.s for example is our communication are our communication skills going to become sharpened or better yes during this period or are they going to regress because of the fact that people are zooming more instead of being in person Mm. um there's less organic interaction or digital interaction. So I'm, I'm very curious as to what is going to happen to people's communication skills from the year 2020 until 2023. And maybe that's arrogant and assuming well, that we might be out of this. So. Morgan, what do you think? It's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think I, it's going to be up or down? No, I think you got to be a Swiss Army knife no, when it comes I, to communication. You have to have a good understanding of how to communicate. communication is changing. I don't know that it's better or worse. It's changing. What if you have a good grasp over digital communication and vis-a-vis communication and you can interchange, like you you sort of stay who you are, online, text, in person. But you don't. Hmm. But what if you do? You don't. What if you do? When I read my tweets, I read them. As th- well, they're I mean, basically things, they're, 
five second blurbs yeah, that I've said but I on mean, the like, show. From like conference call type stuff or your video or on a you know Zoom meeting or something. But that's you're environmental. Not really, you're not really participating in that sort of communication, right? Mm. I mean, we could be when we add the cameras to the show. That's gonna be interesting. Maybe. That is. I like it. I like the uh I like the idea that we can get ahead of people's mistakes. Hopefully. <laughs> because the mistakes that I think are made that to go back to the uh some of the reasons why Morgan doesn't like the uh and no, never mind, you didn't say this. Um some of the uh disheartening elements of being a manager in an office are seeing the same sorts <laughs> of people come around with the same problems and it's exhausting. Well, you, you see people who can help themselves to be better and don't, don't do it. And it's exhausting and slightly disheartening frustrating. and frustrating. Um, you kind of see that. Well, you see that just in customer service with helping other people that are out there and you realize very quickly, like, I, you know, if I knew at 18, if I knew <laughs> about how people were like I do now, right. right? I don't know that I'd ever gone into customer service because it's just so defeating to realize that these people procreate and vote <laughs> and have influence over others. It's very, very sad in a lot of ways. Yep. The whole man. So here's my point with, with communication exemplified in what he just said. and conversation when we have a talk about the office my mind says the office equals society or it can at least be uh, exemplary uh, it could be upgraded it could be superimposed so you can interchange the word office with a slew of words and the conversation still has merit every step of the way so my mind is like when morgan talks about an example in a very on a very local level that he experiences, my mind is interchanging words as he's saying. Now that doesn't mean I'm not listening to what you're, you're not saying. listening. You're I twisting am twisting my words. No, I no, I'm not twisting your words. I'm I'm inserting variables to it to see if the conversation keeps going. So when you say office, I insert planet, I insert society, I insert community. And then when you say uh, employees, I insert people, I insert citizens, I insert all of these these variable words. You're making it applicable to the real world scenarios to see to see if it is verifiably like um, well the, if it if it holds. Well, in the outside world, it's different from like uh, an office type environment. It's not though. so different. What well, is because there are managers of the outside world. There are consequences. Well, there's always consequences, but like, um, I guess your boss at your job is not, I don't know what that translates to when you're not at work. Do you want to know what I interchanged mm, sure. in, in those places? Okay. Right, let's hear it. Uh, higher power, energy, uh, higher consciousness, natural selection, planet. Is the boss? Yeah. Yeah. Evolved states of consciousness not in some like of the conversations. It'd be more like your significant other has the boss role. <laughs> yeah, depending on the situation. Yeah, depending on the situation. Yeah, <laughs> but or there or, it, or submissive in some fun cases. Right, right. It's almost like so. When I grew, uh, when I first came to to the U.S., I had like a giant thesaurus. When I didn't know how to speak English, I had a thesaurus. Wait, what? 
I forget that there was a time where you weren't speaking English. Also. Yeah, I, I learned a lot of my English conversationally between like uh, the ages of seven and 12, just listening to my parents, listening to uh, family members. Pre-seven, you were in Quebec? Oh, pre-ten, I was in Quebec. And okay. French is still my native language. But um, I learned English fluently and was prepared for like elementary school, I would say, by age nine. So like, Eight or nine. You second have, grade. It, it's it's funny because you have no. Of I mean, course, it's not you second don't. grade. Second grade's like seven. Eight or nine is going to be like my, third or fourth. My grade. first grade was second grade here, and I didn't speak a lot. So I think I don't know. It's not like they could stick me in a French school. So maybe I didn't do so hot in the second grade. Mm. Conversationally. I had a thick accent, too. I remember that because there's video of it. Oh, I'd love to see that. No, never going to see that. <laughs> Damn, really, man? You get to hear my accent. N- no. Um. Okay, maybe someday. Yeah, let's say my text. But I had a thesaurus, and I had this big, I don't remember what it was called, but it was a book that gave me like all the synonyms of, of words. And so I, I kind of read through that. And so maybe that's where all this comes from, is my uh, my application of words that do mean the same thing in the flow of a conversation. Like I, I, I just hear when you say, when you use certain words or when Miguel uses certain, and yes, I do listen to both of you guys. I, I just happen <laughs> to talk a lot and have, and have the need to uh, um, not rebut, but the need to be part of the conversation, especially in this format um, a lot of the time. But when I hear you guys talk and I'm really l- listening there are so many words that are interchangeable in the course of these conversations. When I listen back and I edit, when I listen back as an audience member, it's it's unfathomable, like the applications of some of these talks that we have. I, I think it's really interesting that you brought up your childhood experiences and your thesaurus because it's like it, it speaks so much to of your, I think, healthy obsession with language and communication. Mm-hmm. I think that had an effect on you very early on. Yeah. Um, I love the English language. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of uh, people, kind it's really of anti-French Canadian of you. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Is a lot of uh, foreigners look at English as a very simple language. I I, I like and respect the English language too. Uh, you've seen my study. Mm-hmm. All my I have. I'm a Mexican with a great number of British literature titles in my library yeah. and the, the old use of the english language in poetry in particular whether i'm reading robert frost or shakespeare it's, yeah. it's, it's beautiful it absolutely is having said that ironically uh my favorite accent to listen to is either haitian or french canadian <laughs> fascinating accents are a different thing right yeah, yeah well, the think- language too i think the french language I, I when it comes to foreign films as a kid people probably thought well you loved probably love spanish films no not sure. at all it wasn't exotic to me my favorite foreign films were always french films yeah the, uh, there's a beauty in the sound of other languages and, and when yeah. you hear them i, I it's love the applicability of yeah. english that i am completely enthralled with i mean it's the reason why i think i i went into songwriting and doing all that it's maybe one of the only languages and i know french up and down, at least I thought I did. Not but according I, to the French. I can't say this about French. If I write a song in French, each line means what it means. If I write a song in English, 
the room for interpretation is just instantly expanded. That is fascinating to me. So it's it's like you're you're basically saying that French is so much more limited. Well, you're literary or liter literal, I should say. I'm yeah. sorry, literal. Like you said, when you're writing in French, it's mm-hmm. it always feels to you more literal, and you could be more metaphorical with English. Yeah. And that's fascinating to me because I'm like, is there not notable French poets that play with the language in a way that can be uh, very meta? I think the French poets, the the great French poets, well, I can't name you one, but mm. the great French poets, it was the sound of their poetry. Probably, maybe. That, that it was the flow of the words versus the meaning of the words that uh, that catapulted them to pique people's interest in the poetry realms. It's, it's, but you look at all the all the modern, or at least in the last five hundred years, all the great poets. Yeah. They're all either rooted in Britain, uh, in the UK style of Old English, or modern English. In my right. opinion, ninety percent of them. Yeah, William. Wordsworth, Shakespeare, William Blake, Frost, William Blake, yeah, um, blowhards. <laughs> um, Morgan's not a big <laughs> guy. He's having bad uh, regressive memories of having to learn this shit. Where it gets interesting, in high school. it does get interesting if you go back further though, and you go to like um, the Homers uh, or the Dantes, who didn't really write in English. No, they were. But the translations yeah. are in English. And since I can't like uh, I read won. Italian or read yeah. Latin or speak uh, speak those um, those other languages, I don't know if the if what I'm saying about English is is readily like accessible in those other languages. Like you know the the depth of something like Dante's uh, Inferno, for yeah. example, which we both love. The natural interpretation of it and the application of the the cantos and the, and the words that are being used, those are English translations. It'd be a very different experience um, reading it in Greek. Yeah, it's like I, I I have a friend whose sister she's her degrees in humanities, and mm-hmm. so the reason she learned Hebrew was to read the Old Testament in Hebrew to see if she felt differently about it in English. You know what this entire conversation three-hour conversation has told me and it's going to be the basis for a new theory of mine Uh the anunnaki came and gave us the english language no (laughs) (laughs) that's not it's more like the anunnaki is uh jeff bezos (laughs) no what i'm suggesting is Say that the english they're a douchebag riding a cock rocket that's awesome that's what the anunnaki turned out to be the English language may be untapped in potentiality. I think if you would have said language as we know it today. Yes, but from, language as we know it today is English. You know, if you were to go back uh, to the year 1300, you would not understand their English. That's, right. have that's you, neat. Have you ever, there's a video on YouTube that I got to send you that says, when, how far do you go back in time before you stop understanding their English? And it was really cool because it was like 1800. Eh, I can still understand them. 1700. Yeah, it's not like Ben Franklin. But I get them. I, I've I've read his his work. 1600. Ugh, starting to get a little rough. Yeah. When you get to 1200, you don't know what the fuck they're saying. You don't. La- language at the end of the day 
I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say like it's it's you're you're saying that the idea of it did did a alien entity give or at least um, inspire something as beautiful as the English the language. The progression of language. I, again, it's it it happened. Um, I think naturally. I think that the tribes figured out they can communicate with their vocal cords, mm-hmm. and it just just evolved and evolved and evolved. English came from German. Right, it's a German, it's a Germanic language. I mean, the word "fuck" comes from "fuchen." Um, a lot of our words it comes from German because that that was the basis of it centuries and centuries ago. But the idea that the 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 Anunnaki, who in Morgan's theory was correct, that they <laughs> they basically just created these apes and left us like, yeah, we're done with you guys. Um, that that would tie in with his theory because how else would you get these apes? To get to do what you wanted them to do before taking off. Well, you can communicate with them. Yeah, that's how it works now, right? Well, I mean, in brute force, it kind of does this, does the same thing, but still, psych- psychologically, yeah. um, you couldn't just whip them. You had right. to communicate with them. Eventually, you had to have them communicate with each other. So, mm-hmm. so that's what language does. Language is inevitable for your subordinates. Yeah. Um, There's only really two ways to um, grow consciously in like in existence it's through experience because you can you can not utter a word and you can experience something and have like an enlightening moment but you can also have a conversation or hear something and have the neurons fire in your brain and they you learn something you know if we live together and you only spoke french and i only spoke spanish Inevitably, it would be great social experiment, but inevitably, it would be we, interesting. We would inevitably eventually understand each other. I, we could probably do it now. We could make fun of Morgan in French and in <laughs> Spanish, <laughs> and he wouldn't know. El no, no, no sabe nada. Ah, uh, well, il y a, um, c'est un gars qui, qui a des <laughs> lunettes et puis il est blanc. B L A N C. Yeah. All you have to do is add. Uh, no, actually, in your language, it's uh, yeah. What's white in Spanish? Blanc, uh, blanco. Blanco. See, uh, I was going to say all you have to do is add a no. I should have just gone with my gut. Yeah. I said, yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty fly for, <laughs> for a white, white guy. guy. Yeah, I know some French. <laughs> so that was a compliment, Mark. Yeah. It is. Uh, how would you say it in Spanish? Uh, it is muy suave por un gringo. <laughs> por un blanco gringo. Yeah, but cabrón porque es un CIA. I also, I also, yeah, <laughs> ben, ça c'est un autre chose qu'on, qu'on peut parler dans la future. Mais aujourd'hui, um, je pense que c'est, c'est un petit peu trop pour, pour lui. See that? Yeah, you're right. Over time, maybe. See, that's that's uh, this is the most I've ever heard you speak French. I've always had. I've talked to this about Maggie. I've always thought that you were like not embarrassed, but always you didn't want to speak it around it's, us. It's easy to speak French. When you know someone at the table speaks French, it's kind of weird for me to spe- speak French to myself. I, it, feels, it feels, I, it feels, um, it feels somewhat. Um, when I get loaded, I just start speaking Spanish sometimes. Like at, <laughs> at the party, though, the big one, the, the friendcation. Uh, my one of my best friends, Vanessa, who's like my sister. I don't know she's Mexican and shit. She spilt a drink on me, and I just went. 
off on her in Spanish for like five minutes, and then she went off on me for like five minutes in Spanish. I so. feel prudish when I speak French because, yeah, because the only times I speak French now, and my mom listens to this show, so... Um, Do you guys speak French to each other? The only time I speak French now is when my mom wants to speak to me very uh, discreetly uh, mm. in the midst of company. Mm. Yeah, and I'm not too fond of that because yeah. it's very noticeable. Mm. It, it's like, yeah, we're sitting around a table. Everybody knows you're you're trying to slide like some code. <laughs> <laughs> My mom's pretty sly, but when it comes to using French, she oh, always does it very openly. And it's not it's not nat- If we had more conversations in French, it would be acceptable, and I, I would love it. I can't. I'm excited to talk about this. I, I can't believe it just hit me. Mm. Uh, it was this whole conversation about languages. Me and Maggie are going to come up with our own both language. auto language. Uh, nice. Auto. Audible language, verbally, and our own sign language. What? How are you guys going to create? Well, don't give all your secrets away, but how? What are you going to do to form like a new? Language? Literally, we are going to form our own language, and it is going to be very. Um, well, that's interesting. You should video or document this somehow. If Tolkien can do it, <laughs> sure. And if the guy from the Fifth Element can do it, well, he needed. I, they I, needed time. They dedicated a lot. Of time oh God, he it. he wrote that language in like years. But me and Maggie will take time to do it. But yeah, the, have, Lilu's language is actually something you can learn. It's beautiful, fascinating. And so that's what I, me and Maggie are going to do. We're going to come up with our own little alien language. Uh, it's going to mm. be both verbal and our own version of sign language. We've I like that. Come. I'm trying to work on telepathy still. I am. I think that's what happens when you harness technological prowess mixed with language prowess I, I think inevitably you can get you want to practice there. that we can do mm-hmm. that we we've had our hit or misses with that fucking Owen. card game of yours i'm i'm pra- <laughs> i'm practicing right i'm i always practice man i'm always practicing. were you thinking about a game just now because you did you zoom that into my head no because i somebody did i was thinking of no i was thinking of how i practice uh in other areas oh okay i do believe that women are integral to the development of telepathic communication that is fascinating they have to be uh yeah because there's um if that was true i wouldn't know why i sleep on the couch sometimes <laughs> well i believe they have a, a prowess <laughs> my in choice it. <laughs> my choice no it's like i've always said if, if i don't believe in god but if god's a woman um i i believe god's a woman because if i'm going to hell i'm not told why <laughs> so right. yeah so god is definitely a woman so the idea you're saying is, is uh, they're they're in, they're integral to this. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to test that too and see. I think how. they're I I think they're somewhat more evolved in that realm than they lead on to be able to communicate telepathically, to be able to sense where someone's mind is. Sometimes, sometimes I. It's creepy. I know this sound. This sounds like complete horseshit. And if you are a rational person, you should believe this that it's <laughs> horseshit. What I'm about to say, but I think it's because we began been together for so long. But me and Maggie know how to sense things from each other. Oh, this guy incredibly. Oh, Man, absolutely. Like There's when a Maggie, ton of nonverbal communication. Well, sometimes you can just sense it. Like when Maggie will walk into a room, I know that she just had a fight with somebody. I know that she just had a really, really good conversation with somebody. I didn't look at her. Oh, really? She walks by me and goes into the the kitchen, and I felt the energy so Mm -hmm. strong, and I had to go in there and check on her. Mm -hmm. Or like whenever she walked by me, whenever I was like writing my to-do list this week, she—I didn't see her face. 
you just went behind me and went to the kitchen. Have and I ever, was like, hey, did you have a good day at work? I kind of feel like you did. And she's like, yeah, <laughs> I actually did. Have you ever had to uh, physically be separate from Maggie for more than a week? Yes, when she was going on her stupid ass trips when she worked for the hotel. <laughs> oh, this place too, actually. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was going to say it might it? not be a whole week. Though. Okay, but because when you said stupid ass trips, this is the first thing that came to mind. Was the I didn't trips like that she that made because I would be at the house cleaning dog poo or doing dishes, and she's sending me a picture of herself next to the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh huh. Did with you, a selfie, now, having these adventures without me. I'm just like, that sucks. It, somewhat intimate question, not really. But you would have your, uh, she's in bed, you're in bed conversations. Yeah. Okay. Was there any semblance of nonverbal communication in those instances? All the time. Okay. All the time. Those are the, those are the moments you got to tap there, into. I don't think it's a gender thing. I think there's gay men and lesbian women that have probably have it too. It's more about a connecting a connection with a certain person, mm. your inevitable ability to connect with certain others. I don't think gender has it's to have anything fascinating to do because, because there's, there's twin a, brothers, but there's a lot. Yes, but there, yes, but there's something about the, um, the polar opposites doing it mm. that creates a, a frequency that I feel, um, is a little bit more clean. Is this from your, even on a conscious level, something you picked up from men or from Mars, women or from Venus? No, no, no. This is uh, something I picked up off of the Kabbalion, which is the root of a lot of these baseline principles. You said the Kabbal? The Kabbalion. uh, It's it's seven principles, hermetic principles, one of them being uh, the principle of correspondence, as above, so below. Uh, Another principle is... Bingo. Well, that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago, but yeah. This is one I've mentioned on the show maybe once or twice, the principle of gender and the fact that there are opposites. And uh, that goes in line with the principle of polarity, which says that when there are opposites, there's there's energetic um, almost a balance fluxes back and forth Mm -hmm. that generate a balance. So, yes, while me and my brother can have a connection that uh you know i could be watching a baseball game and he's watching the same baseball game and i don't i I pick up the phone and he says yeah man did you see that too yeah that's um that's like a uh that's like a hobby sort of um it's a mutual interest that he and i would have that we click on but when i'm talking about it with men and women you can do it actually very quickly with what I found. And it's interesting here because you haven't dated someone in 10 years. You haven't dated someone in 25. What I found, <laughs> what I found just recently and in the last 10 years before my wife is that very quickly, um, if you're tuned to it, you can do it with women very quickly. I, I, I think there could be something there. It's intriguing. Well, it may- May have more to do with in, intimacy than than being a woman, perhaps, perhaps. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna test it out with dudes. <laughs> the intimacy oh, aspect I know you're of not. that. Well, now you have the rest of your life to do that theory to see if you connect. Here's what you need to do. You need to you don't call it intimacy. Just have these experiments where you have uh, a, a male counterpart. Well, I'm saying your father, your brother, your guy friend. 
and a female friend. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and keep experimenting for the rest of your life and testing your ability, practice your ability to be telepathic with a diverse amount of people, you know, friends, relatives, whoever. And then make note and observe of if there's any tangible difference there. Because then you can test your theory. A girl yeah. you're dating, mm -hmm. test all of your nonverbal communication and your telepathy skills with this person, and then compare it to family. That's dangerous. What if you got to fucking lose? That that's fascinating to me. I mean, if if a girl came up to me and be like, "Well, hey, it's different." I wanna... So when when we discuss in in closing here, when when I discuss beaming with you and uh, the the I do it with us anyway. Yeah, I do it with <laughs> you guys, but but the concept of being in sync with you guys means something completely different what it means for the sake of this show or conversations that we have outside of here or just uh activities that we have together or good times that we have together it means maintaining the flow and sort of uh all of us just jiving well and it sort of means that with a romantic interest but at the same time it escalates slightly with uh with a romantic interest yeah i want to be able to say things to her without saying them whereas if we did that here we wouldn't say anything i mean i'd be sitting here like <laughs> sleeping yeah like morgan does <laughs> morgan could be the advanced telepathist we wouldn't even know he's like i'm just gonna get these two to talk about all the shit that uh that's on my mind or in a different way yeah, i believe be. that at least once or twice well morgan does a great I'm job of listening He's a really good listener at this point on this show. I think I, if if we find out that Morgan's <laughs> sitting with me for seventy three episodes, you know stuff. that that experiment that the CIA did or what they were they were interested in of doing the whole out of body experience stuff. Yeah, what, what is that called? Uh, uh, remote viewing. Remote viewing. I believe or astral projection. Astral projection. There's times where me and you were having a strong back and forth, and Morgan has astral projected <laughs> himself. Out of the conversation. Watching a fucking horse race. Yes, he has. But his consciousness is here because he can very quickly come just come back to the mic and say, no, oh, no, no, you're full of uh -oh. shit. It's bullshit. bullshit. I can see him. He, his, his, his spirit is watching a fucking horse race game. <laughs> and then he hears us say something that pisses him off. He flies back. Okay, that's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. My subconscious did not jive with that last part. That's bullshit. Jumps back into his body. You're both dumb. <laughs> now I'm going to go back to the horse. <laughs> I'd like it. It'd be an interesting test to, to like try this out. Maybe Morgan only chimes in or what is it? What does an episode sound like when Morgan only chimes in when he disagrees with something and the rest of the it's time, much for the whole time. Right. The, but if it was, Maybe you only chime in when you disagree. I wouldn't say that because every once in a while, he'll give, Interesting, us props. Huh? he'll give us props when he's just like, oh, yeah, that's that's or when, when he's the catalyst for a talking point. Like, did you guys see what happened here? Or if he's sometimes Morgan takes charge of the segues. Sure, you do. Yeah. You ever ridden a Segway? No, I just watched chimpanzees riding. <laughs> There's a guy in McGill's... Uh, and doing nasty things with No, frogs. he was a door-to-door -door salesman. He doesn't live in your neighborhood, sorry. He was a door-to-door -door salesman. He tried to stop me. I was like, hey, buddy, I don't live here. I was coming to your place to uh, yeah. see the pets. Did he have a big notebook? he was on his Segway. And he's like, hi, sir. I'm like, I don't live here. <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat, leave me alone. You're worse than the Target lady. Um, the people at Target trying to sell you Spectrum or Spectrum. Uh, oh. The kids tell me you already have it. God. They leave you alone like that. 
No, I say, you guys do this every... I get elaborate. I'm like, you guys do this every time I'm in a Target. And how do you not know me? I come to the same toy section, same <laughs> board game section. You're the same lady. I mean, I get it. You do this anyway. And then she's like, all right, thank you, sir. <laughs> well, well, fuck you then, sir. <laughs> no. Yeah, man. I always tell them, whenever it's AT&T, hey, sir, who do you have for your phone service? I have you guys. You're amazing. Okay. And leave you alone. Yep. Who do you have for your cable? Spectrum, you guys, later. Sometimes I get it wrong. I think it's a phone thing, and I'll be like, I got Spectrum. And they're like, well, good. I just want to switch your cell phone. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> You're like, oh, I, I meant Spectrum has cell phone. They do have total service. Yes, oh, so I could play it all. That's true. Uh, you yeah. can have so much phone. Be, you know, next time we're in Target, watch me. I'll show you how to have fun with them. Oh, yeah? That, I speak to them in, like, fucking German. We should. Yeah. That would be fun. I'd like to uh, go to more public places with Morgan. Let's do that. Why? Let's you speak you speak in French and I speak in Spanish. And then Morgan runs people over with his uh shopping with cart. Shopping cart? Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Just a bunch of assholes going <laughs> to Target. Three assholes in Target. Uh, why well, not? At least we're not shoplifting. That's true. Could no, be no. worse. Weird weird outro for the episode, but Morgan um last week my mom and Morgan found it hard to believe that uh, I never had phone sex. Man, did I not get to that part? Yeah, I haven't gotten to that part yet. And I only mentioned this because the, the now because the word phone um, came about and the phone service and all that. And for some reason, I was thinking of yeah, I learned less. I didn't learn what phone sex. I knew what phone sex was, just hadn't had it in the descriptive like uh, nature that Morgan put it, where it was like so people. People have phone sex simultaneously. Yeah, it's like you're yeah. you're talking to each other dirty, and then you're you're whacking it. That's yeah. what it basically. Okay, so I've only done the prefix, the prefix of that, the suffix of that simultaneously. That's the point. But that's impossible. What? You can't talk, engage in sexual activity, and have a conversation on the phone at the same time. Didn't you ever have cyber sex when you were a teenager? Oh Didn't you have some girl that was webcamming you were talking to you? Yes, but I wasn't really having, uh, I wasn't really fondling myself. I was. Oh, you missed out. <laughs> <laughs> I was engaged in the activity of the cyber sex as if like, hey, this is cool. I wasn't the actually. poor girl at the other end was like, what are you doing, Sasha? I'm trying to beam with you. What? I just <laughs> whack it. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating to me. Because, well, I've sexted very recently. But but what that consists of is texting and then putting the phone down. Yeah, you're waiting for the next fun message. That's completely different from phone sex or cybering. Because it's right then and there. It's back and quick back and forth. Oh, man. Okay, no. You've missed missed out, out, man. Yeah, man, you got to have. There's always next time. Yeah, you you, you can be 80 and have phone sex. You can have your significant other fucking call you, talk dirty, and then you're both diddling. Like that's like, like it's eighteen year old love. So you one oh one. So so you have to engage in a verbal conversation over the phone. Yeah. What the hell do you think the phone is for? <laughs> so you and have it. dirty talking to each other. Yes. Okay. So you have. So someone you're might in, be spinning a story, and the other one's oh, just commenting along. Okay. Speakerphone. That's where speakerphone comes in. What? No. Or, or you can put it by your phone. Just hold it by your. You have two hands. Yes. Look, mom. But that's weird. What? You're on the phone with one hand, and then Listen. you're doing the other thing with the other. That's not really. Uh, that's not really like sexy. 
Have you ever seen the That's truth about cats and dogs? That's a matter of your opinion, sir. Okay. Oh, you. I. I get. I, it. I would agree. You guys just want to get I, business done I out of the way, and that's like a variable way of you doing. You got to get the baby batter out. So it's not. Way, it's not intimate. It's not romantic. It's just sometimes it is intimate. For the sake it is romantic. Of, it can be really. Yes. If, okay. Let's say you put the fucking speakerphone on. Doesn't matter. Put it by your head. Speakerphone makes more sense. Okay. Put it by your head. Have her talk dirty to you. Talk dirty back, and then you go. To, just that's go to town. intimate. Holding the phone up to your neck and <laughs> sipping your ear. You had being off with your other hand. Well, back in the eight or 90s, yeah. There were no cell there phones. There were no cell phones, man. When I was a That's kid, true. even like. You were having sex with like rot- or phone sex with rotary phones and like the. And, the monsters. And, and the cord. <laughs> you had to learn how to what? use the cord. Oh. He was like, I'm excited. We got a deeper, c- darker conversation. Jeez, Morgan. <laughs> man, that no, but that took cordless phones to another level when you're a teenager, Might man. Just be a I, slight choke, you never know. So I have sweet talked over the phone, of course. Everybody has. I, I would hope after, but I I cannot say that I've ever transitioned into the engaging in sexual activity while maintaining the conversation. Yeah, you missed out, man. Well, maybe I didn't miss out. Maybe uh, the era. You missed the era? Yeah. They didn't do that in Canada. Yeah, I was 18 or 19 before my first girlfriend, and then cell phones were readily available at 22, 23. But even then, it's like you should, yeah, yeah, you could have had your cell phone with you. Yeah. Did you ever cyber when you were a teenager? Have some girl talk to you online? Yes, but again, I wasn't like beating off as I was typing to her. I was typing to her and just engaging with her on that level. I was selfish. I not only wanted to have some girl not only talk to her to me, it wasn't enough. Oh, I wanted a webcam on. It's not that I wasn't yeah. aroused either. It's weird. It's like I was more into the conversation than the <laughs> Of course you were. I was. It's fascinating in retrospect seeing my behavior. You're, everybody else was whacking and you were doing a psychological case study. That's right. right. <laughs> like you're fucking should have been a fucking profiler, Sasha. You've been the only one of the two FBI just didn't jack off on the job. <laughs> Maybe I am. <laughs> That's a funny way. That's an ender. Oh, that is an ender. That's a yeah, in more ways than one. Yeah, that's a that's a good ender. Oh wow. Three hours and eighteen minutes. Well, again, Miguel, always a pleasure to have you. Seventy fourth episode and um I don't know, we're not doing anything special for the seventy fifth, so you're welcome to come on back. I'm flattered, yeah. Yeah. Morgan, thanks for your chiming in when you disagreed with shit. Oh, you bet. (laughs) All right. Well, that'll do it. So episode 74 in the books. See you next time. Later. Later.